Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast. So I just started recording Al, and uh, he, he actually asked, for those who are just joining us, Al um, wanted me to actually start recording about a minute ago because he said there would be some amazing gem that I would capture. And I just love the fact that there's a ship with your last name on it. Yes, it's a frigate. That's awesome. It was a frigate. It yeah, got it, 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 it. Its claim to fame was it, it served the Navy well as a frigate, and then at the very end, when they decommissioned it, they used it for bombing practice and sent it to the bottom. And I just feel like that is such a metaphor for what can happen in the entrepreneurial life. I was going to say, I thought you said that's a, a metaphor for your family. I'm like, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. like that's taking it a little too far. I was gonna say, friend. like, you're you're anyway. might be a fri- you're might be a frigate. Mine would be a frigate and something. So I don't really know where that would go. Yes, you are correct, <laughs> sir. But that would but, be cool. Uh, that's cool that you have it. There's a ship, even though it's even though it's uh even though it's eel food right now. I think it's pretty cool. You you had a ship with your name on well, it. Well, I'd like to think. I'd like to think, depending on where they sank the thing, that uh, it's it, it's formed a nice home for fish and coral, or or perhaps if it's too deep, then or if it's not that deep, then maybe you know some divers are having fun with it or something. Yeah, for sure. My well, point is this: that even in death, it was useful <laughs> and could continue to be useful. And sometimes that's how it works in the world of entrepreneurship. Look at all the companies that got started, served some kind of useful purpose for a while, made a contribution, made money or whatever, but then just due to technology, due to market uh, mar- market circumstances, due to the CEO or whatever, just didn't continue. And right. served people well and may have disrupted an industry and created something that other people, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, and also dwarfs. We stand and on dwarfs. the shoulders I do, of dwarfs. I prefer to dwarfs. stand on their head, not the shoulders, because well, they're small. Well, I think the shoulders like, are more stable. I don't want to get into an argument with you about it, Matt. But I, could do, I could do kind of the captain. The I, could do the, they, I could do the Captain Morgan thing they, where you put your foot up, one foot on their head. You. And, I could do I could do the Captain Morgan where I do one That's foot on their shoulder. That's only after you drink a bottle. Yes, 
Yes, well, but right, you have getting... to drink a bottle of Captain Morgan's first, and I've seen that, and it's not pretty. No, no, for sure. And I would say this, there's a reason the Irish don't have a Navy, because if there was a ship with our family's name on it, first of all, the whole ship would get drunk. They decide for fun to go sail out to the bombing range. Yes. And, and they'd pick the one spot when they got hit that it wouldn't be reefable. It would be like some trench somewhere. So it would go down a good 23,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, and that's the why Irish. there's no hats made. They probably used to have a hat until that happened. And then they're like, we're really not wanting to bring I'm this I'm sure they anymore. had a cap of some kind. But if you take the Irish and you take sailors and you take <laughs> Irish sailors, there's going to be some Captain Morgan in there somewhere. You've got to. Right. I mean, it's just A plus B equals C, my friend. Well, this is the thing is that usually the, the pro they have a leadership problem because they go, ah, oh, who is leading the ship? He goes, oh, Captain Morgan's on board. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Who's <laughs> the first the mate? Who's yeah, the they, first mate? They decided to go on. They decided to go on an underway just because they heard Captain Morgan was on board. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, you know, uh, what we do, as described in our in our podcast and the logo, which you designed so well, uh, I thought it just looks fantastic. Um, yeah. We are. Uh, how should I put this? Um, Screwed. Sometimes we're, un we're unscripted. We're unscripted. Let's put it that way. So there's so many interesting things that we can talk about. Um, there are uh, 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 so many things to talk about. And, you know, based on our experience, we can talk about almost anything based on what's happening in the world, based on what's happening in, 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 the, in the market. Of course, today is uh, election day. Let's let's talk about anything except politics. Thank you very much. But let's talk about entrepreneurship. Um, I did notice uh, that our last podcast. I looked at the YouTube, and uh, I make a lot of weird faces. So I think I I'm definitely more of a non-video verbal guy. I've got the voice for radio. I don't have so much the expressions for radio. Uh, for TV, but it's all good. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of like you said. I'm trying to be relatable. A, I have a face for radio and a voice that's not. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work either way. Well, I just notice it. I mean, it's the nature of the beast. Okay, it is. First of all, we're on Zoom. I can see myself, and Zoom is can be distracting. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at me. I'm looking at you. So my eyes are darting around like a crazy man. Yes, I've had two and a half cups of coffee, but that's not the reason. Okay, um, it's just Zoom. Well, by the way, since we're on Zoom, I don't know. If you have us side to side, I don't. I have you on the main picture, and then I'm up on top, like where my camera is. Yeah, because you're the host uh, of this particular can you do Zoom that session. On, can you do that on your side? I have the, side to side, which seems to work fine for me. I, I don't know. Because no, I, I can do, I can do I can side to side. It. I've yeah, got click on, right now. Yeah, I so, see myself on the top. I'm just little. You are a giant. Yeah, exactly. So that's you've taken over the whole screen. That's right. Well, it is. So, you know, I mean, people say it doesn't always have to be about you, but sometimes it does. You know? <laughs> hey, well, you're the host, so you're the captain of the ship. Um, let's hope Captain Morgan is also on board at some point. 
Um, it, we just sail ahead, straight ahead and hope for fair winds and no coral. You know, that's yeah, all there's a reason. Do. Yeah, there's a reason why there's not a, a ship called Jameson in the Irish Navy. <laughs> <laughs> smooth, smooth yeah. sailing. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's jump on board. So you want to we're going to pivot a little bit toward entrepreneurship. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today, um, you know, or, or let's let's the first two episodes we had, for, if you haven't listened to those, the first one was why you need to be an entrepreneur, right? Why you need to be an entrepreneur. So I definitely advise you if this is the first one you're listening to, to actually pause this, go back and listen to that one first. Um, and then Perhaps. come back. Well, okay. it sets the tone really well for kind of, you know, what we're going to talk about today. And uh, the next one we talked about is how or why now during COVID is the best time to start a business. So hopefully there's some people way down the line that are listening to this and COVID is the thing of the past. Um, but it's still, I think a lot of what we talked about in that episode still holds true. Uh, but today mm -hmm. I know you wanted to talk about something. And, and this kind of be one, even though you said I'm the host, I think we're going to hand the steering wheel over to you a little bit today. Sure. Uh, but the question is, what makes you think that you can be an entrepreneur? In other words, for people that are sitting here thinking, well, I love the idea of starting my own business or, um, you know, doing my own startup or you know, right. kind of being the captain of my ship, so to speak. Um, there's a lot of people out there. And I know I was in the same boat that had a lot of doubts. Like, you know, look, I've done, I've either been a postal worker my whole life. I've been a server. I've done any number of jobs or whatever it is, but I've never actually done anything where I had to lead something or be responsible for something or have my own thing. And mm. so that imposter syndrome, which everybody has, by the way, that never goes away, that imposter syndrome sets in. So, you know, I'll kind of hand the reins over to you a little bit right now, you know, to kind of take it from here. What makes people think, what makes our listeners think that they can be an entrepreneur? Good. That's a good question. I think that's the first question that anybody who has an idea, a vision, uh, a hope, a dream, uh, a, a, a small bank account that they want to be bigger, um, any, anybody that, that, that is thinking about entrepreneurship and starting a business should have that in mind. Uh, what, why? Why do I want to be an entrepreneur? The why is going to carry you through and get you started. Um, if you don't have a very, very, very strong why, you'll never make it. You've got to have a passion and a reason to do it. If all you are thinking about is either one, paying the bills, or two, getting rich, two completely opposite dichotomies, if you will. I mean, you know, one is, one is just barely making it, and the other is becoming some kind of influencer or mega mogul or whatever you know, which is held up in our society as, as the thing to be, you know, uh, uh, in our, in our, in our society, in our economy, they don't talk very much about the guy that's just got two or three employees is trying, is, is just doing the best he can to, to, to cover his overhead and make it pay his bills. Um, they're always talking about the, the Jeff Bezos and the, the Zuckerbergs and so forth. And I guess I can understand why. Their news. Nobody. The guy that's got a a, a pizza a pizza place, or uh, he's a, he's a set himself up as a coach, or herself up as a coach, or whatever. Those people, those people are um, 
they're not uh, they're not uh, they're not news okay they're not uh, they're mainstream media and or media is not going to uh talk to them talk about them etc so let's let's go back again to the why i think there's basically a negative and a positive there's a positive in the sense that an entrepreneur or per somebody who thinks they want to be an entrepreneur open their own business be their own boss create something and literally put people to work at some point i don't like my boss i don't like my job my job is is tenuous at best i want to be in control of my life and i'm not um i'm good at this but i'm being forced to do x something else that i don't like to do in other words i'm an artist i'm a musician i'm talented i'm smart and here i'm in this cubicle doing call calling or, or or customer service or anyway i'm stuck in a cubicle let's it's cubicle nation right i'm stuck in a cubicle i'm stuck in some kind of dead-end job i don't like my boss i don't like the corporate environment uh and basically i'm miserable i'm miserable okay so i've got this this idea in my head that i can take some talent i can take the the amount of work that I'm doing for this corporation, which is 10 hours a day, five days a week, maybe six, because I'm doing the work of three people, possibly. Um, or maybe I'm working from home, you know, working from home now, if we're talking COVID um, pandemic situation, I don't see that going away uh, soon. It may be the new normal. I mean, most people have never thought about, well, and I, I'm diverting a little bit, but I do want to address this. Most people have never thought about, well, okay, this COVID thing gets handled. What if another one comes along? What if it's one that's 10 times worse? You right, just look right. at somebody and they get sick, okay? So let's just say that this might be the new normal. If it's not the new normal, we're never going to go back to the old normal. It's going to be something in between. So somebody could be working from home. They're thinking, I want to be my own boss. I want to make more money. I want to make my own money. I want to be in control of my life and I want to build something that will last. I want it to be sustainable and scalable. I want it I want to be in charge. I want to be the captain of the boat like we were talking about. So I call that the negative in a sense because they're 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 moving away from something because they're miserable or they want they want to see something better for their life, okay? And I think there's a lot of people out there that are in that situation. And I think they're listening to this podcast if they're smart, because we're going to help them. Um, and I think, I think on that note, I think there's, I kind of segment those people into two groups, right? So I have the people that initially were like, they wanted to aspire for more, so that like, they didn't like being in a cubicle. They didn't like mm -hmm. being away in the office for 10 hours straight. They didn't mm -hmm. um, like having somebody tell them they're late, you know, or like an office space. They have eight different bosses. Right. right? And that was, that was kind of what led some people to entrepreneurship in general, right? Or they yes. felt like they were outperforming their contract, so to speak. Like, I know enough to do what my boss does. Why don't I just mm -hmm. start my own thing? Right. But then when it comes to COVID, I think it was different where now it's not like, now it's like, well, you don't have a choice. 
So everybody's all getting shoved out of the eagle's nest at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these things where, you know, there's the old adage, it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's like, all right, we're at the fool me once part. Are we going to stick around and like, you know, kind of go back and say, well, you know, I'm just going to go back and pretend this never happened. And I think that's kind of, it's, I didn't even thought about it that way, but like, <laughs> there's one thing of people saying, will there be a new normal or will there not be a new normal? But it's like, are you going to allow this to happen to yourself again? And I think whether if you're an employee, I think there's employees that are going to be sitting here saying, well, I don't really want this to happen again because it was a massive financial shock to the system of our household or my family or me or anything. But I think for employers, they say the same thing. I mean, if you're a business owner and you all of a sudden had your business shut down for a month and a half or two months or five months, you're, you're even more going to say, I'm never going to let this happen. And so I think that's where you, I think where you just said is absolutely correct. You're going to see where people, you know, in my old companies, people say, Hey, can I work from home? And HR goes, ah, no. <laughs> now I think they're going to be segmenting that out and be open to it, but for the right people. Mm-hmm. And that allows them to shrink their real estate. Like you don't have to have the same amount of office space square <laughs> footage. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think it, everything does. Everything's going to change because I think it's that one thing about they just don't want to have it happen, like you said, a second time. Right. Because a, a second time is now their fault. And everybody, <laughs> I think, inherently knows that. Right. And I, I don't want to, I like to simplify things, but I don't want to get too simple because it is complicated. This whole. <clears throat> This whole uh, uh, world of entrepreneurship, of being an entrepreneur, of getting things started, or taking your business to the next level, because I see two basically two uh, two large segments, if you will. Okay, one is people who are just getting started. They have an idea, a vision. Maybe they've got a side gig. They call it a side gig. They're still working full time. Uh, and, and happy to be working full time, possibly to, to pay the bills, especially if you know they're married and they have family and all of that. Um, so it's just an idea. It's just an idea. Um, and maybe they've done a little consulting or maybe they've sold a few products, X, Y, Z. They're trying to get things going. It's not really a business per se. It's just an effort on their part. You can call it a side gig or whatever you want. Then there's people that have been in business are in business, have been in business for some time, and they want what they're doing is either sort of treading water, break even, they've got some infrastructure in place, they may have one or two employees, virtual or otherwise, and they want to, what they want to do is take their business to profitability, greater income, more clients, more customers, selling more product or services uh, and they're in a position to do that they're just facing challenges that they may think are insurmountable or if they're positive and they have a vision they're thinking well i do have some challenges and i can deal with these challenges but i need help or i need to figure out how to make this happen and there's so many different areas where they might need help they might need help with marketing they might need help with technology they might need help with legal they might need help with 
excuse me, they might need help with with uh, human resources. They might need help with logistics. There are so many areas, and that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. You're wearing so many different hats. I'm wearing a hat with my name on it. But the point is this. If you're wearing all those hats and you're an entrepreneur, if you're the chief cook and bottle washer, so to speak, how do you do that? How do you make it work? I, I know I have clients that can't leave for financial reasons and otherwise. They cannot leave the, their, their current gig. They cannot leave their current job because it pays the bills. And at the same time, they're running as fast as they can to try to get this other thing, their passion, their vision, their business, their gig, whatever it is, going. They're, they, they, they're not making enough money with it. So they're caught in this weird uh, twilight zone of catch-22 where if they had more time, if they had more money, if they had more exposure, if they, if they could create more awareness, if they have the infrastructure in place to handle you just stuck me in the eye with your finger. What, what was that all about? <laughs> if they had all of it. on my screen. <clears throat> I see. Oh, you're like me. ATD, attention to detail. Anyway, my point is this, Matt. So many things that entrepreneurs, so many issues, so many challenges, so many areas of expertise and otherwise. And it's, it's huge. It's a challenge. But Going back to what I was saying before about positive versus negative. Sometimes a quote entrepreneur, unquote, who's been in a certain industry or done a certain thing for many years, wakes up one morning and says, wow, I, I see a problem. I see a problem that needs to be fixed. Why aren't people doing it this way? Why isn't there a widget to do X, Y, Z? Why isn't there a service to help people do such and such, whatever it is? And they get inspired and they get crazy and they get motivated and they start thinking about it and they go, you know what? If I, if I could research this, if I could do this, I'm going to find out if anybody else is doing this. If they're not, there's a need in the marketplace. I'm going to see what I can do to solve that problem, to create that widget, to provide that service. And that's how they get started. I call that the positive. They see a need, they see an opportunity, they see a problem, they see an opportunity. They're looking at how can I take advantage of this opportunity? And then they get started. So they're not wanting to leave something per se. They may be very happy with their job. They may be in a, a C-suite corporate executive. They may be somebody who, who loves what they do, but they see this need and the opportunity, possible opportunity associated with it, and they want to do something. Maybe it's something they, maybe they said, you know, I needed a, this kind of widget today. It's not, I don't, I can't find it. I needed this kind of service. It's impossible to find. There's this problem. 
And I think that if this problem, if I have this problem, there may be millions, if not hundreds of millions of people who have the same problem. Why isn't there somebody out there taking care of this problem in this way? I know, so and I think that's I think, what I call the positive. And I think that I call it kind of a um, roach theory is like, if you ever see a roach in your house, you don't have one roach, you have like 500, right? <laughs> and I think it's just that people, they may see the problem, but they don't take it well, but they may have a thousand, who knows, but yeah. they, um, they just, it's very hard sometimes to st step back and really just ask that question that you just mm -hmm. asked, like, well, wait a minute, if I have this problem, I bet a bunch of other people do. They just are probably just annoyed that they have the problem. And, you know, the, I know we talked about it once or twice, but the one that always jumps out at me was Travis Kalanick, who's, you know, not exactly the nicest guy in the world, but he and, he and one of his friends were in Paris and they were trying to catch a taxi and uh, they couldn't, but they kept seeing all these people drive by. I mean, the road was full of cars and they're like, well, why can't I just, why can't one of these people take it? And that was their impetus and that was their idea for starting Uber. Mm -hmm. And it's like, here they have a problem and they can't <laughs> figure out why, you know, there's enough cars to take me where I need to go. I just can't find the taxi. Right. And they actually, you know, whether it's connection skills, you know, whatever it is they bring to the table, um, they were actually able to get that project moving and mm -hmm. honestly create an entirely, entire different um, industry really off of that. <clears throat> you know, and now the idea of like, you know, if I had to go to the airport and saying, okay, well, how am I going to get there? Well, I'm not going to call a taxi. I'm definitely not calling Cloud9 Shuttle because I'm not riding a van to the airport. But if I can get an Uber, you know, I'll have a car here in three minutes, five yeah. minutes at max, you know. <clears throat> and it, it changes everything. But I think it all started with that question where you, <clears throat> you get annoyed at something that isn't working. And then you have, you know, and it's hard to do, but you have that wisdom to just take a step back and ask the question that's, you know, kind of in the back of your head mm -hmm. and enable the problem, problem solving part of your brain to actually do it. Right. <clears throat> you know, and sometimes it's not just, you know, I wonder if other people have the problem. Sometimes it's asking what I call the negative frame of the question of like, why can't this be done? Mm -hmm. like, you know, obviously it's like, why can't I, why can't one of these people just pick me up? And it's a question that nobody, I mean, the guy's probably sitting here going, why is there not a taxi? Yeah. But he's not seeing why is there not a taxi? He's like, why can't hundreds of the, I've been in Paris tons of times. Why oh, right. haven't, <clears throat> there's a million cars driving around. Why can't just one of them take me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there <laughs> are a million cars driving around in Paris. And if you step into the street, one of them will run you over because they have absolutely no consideration for pedestrians over there. But that's another issue. Um, I lived for a month in Paris. I could see the Eiffel Tower from my uh, bedroom balcony. But um, yeah, I, I had, the, um, had the opportunity to hear the, 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 the chief technology officer of Uber who started the company with, those, with the other guy who was the, uh, the guy you mentioned. I can never remember his name, but the guy you mentioned. He, he, you had to have a marketing guy a business guy and a technology guy because if you look at the challenges that uber had after they got this idea like why do i have to call a cab why can't i just have somebody here in five minutes 
and 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 take us from this club to where we want to go. He 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 made a presentation to a whole group of people at University of San Diego in their entrepreneurship program. And um he talked about some of the challenges that they had, but when you think of the challenges that Uber had with this idea, this vision of let's just do this, like you mentioned, it's mind boggling. First of all, you're not gonna get people to pick up other people in their car if there's no people to pick up. And there's no people to pick up if you don't have cars to pick them up. So you've got this incredible catch 22, not to mention changing the whole mindset of a society that used to have don't go in, don't get into a car with a stranger. And now you've got a stranger showing up a lot of times with a name that you cannot even pronounce. And they're picking you up and taking you somewhere because your phone said it was okay. And you signed up and you, you didn't even sign up with your real name and neither, you don't even know who these people are, but you know, they're rating. And they might know yours too. So my point is this, that as much as somebody wants to be an entrepreneur and has a great vision and, uh, and an idea and, and, and to some degree a passion because they think it's important and they, they think it's important not to them, just to themselves. They think it's important as something that would benefit a whole, the world or a country or just my town, whatever, whatever they're looking at. Just because they have that and a desire to make it real, there's going to be a huge process and a lot of steps before that dream, that vision, that idea turns into a reality and then turns into a profitable reality. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things one of my old mentors used to talk about was that, <clears throat> you know, going from making a dream a reality, the bridge to that reality is something called skill. Mm -hmm. Now you either have to have that skill set yourself or you have to bank on the, the skill of others. And like you had mentioned, you have to have you have to have a technology guy. You have to have all these different guys. One of the ones that um, you didn't mention was just contacts. Like I'm sure, you know, mm. Travis Kalanick's in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. Yeah. And you have to know VC people. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and so it's like, it's one thing to say, you know, people always say, man, if I could go back in time, I'd just go back to 1996 and go start Google with Sergey Brin and Larry. And Larry, <laughs> is it Larry in the garage. King? Right. In the <laughs> yeah. garage. Yeah, but I I heard somebody t talk about that, and the guy answered him. He's like, "Well, they they wouldn't let you in the garage because you don't have, they have skills and you don't." Yeah. <clears throat> so why yeah. would they even let you in to begin with? So you need to have yeah. that skill set, and yeah. um, <clears throat> you know whatever it is, it could be something where they say, "I want to start a painting business." Well, <clears throat> if you know how to paint a house, that's awesome. You know that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you, you know, let's say you had something else where you wanted to, um, <clears throat> I don't know, you wanted to be a self-help coach, right? <clears throat> well, you still, you have to have, <clears throat> first of all, you have to have your own life together. Cause like, if and you, no, you don't, <clears throat> okay, well, fair, I would think you would have to have, I have your clients own that are, I have clients that are self-help coaches and oh, they, dear Lord. 
they they do not have their life together. But <clears throat> let they me ask you this: How... sales pitch. Okay, well then that's the, that's the skill. So they're replacing the actual you know, <clears throat> having their life together, which I would suppose you would need with having a good sales pitch. Now imagine mm-hmm. if that same person didn't have their life together and they didn't have a good marketing message. Well then, you know, it's a second hole in the boat and you can't really survive <laughs> that way. Right. But, but anyway, but it's like, and I think when it comes to what, you know, businesses you've started and I've started, it's that skill set. Like when I decided to start a business, it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't say, oh, that's a cool dream. Let's see if I could just magically turn that into reality. Mm. You know, with my real estate business, it was, I'd spent a lot of time behind the scenes. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, let's buy this property and hope it works. No, Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time and effort, you know, doing homework on it, studying, understanding how to make decisions, what to look for, um, how to judge properties, how to manage the property, all that. And so when I finally Mm -hmm. had that property, I knew the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way to 20th steps that I needed to do to execute on it to make sure it worked. Yeah. Um, when I started my online business, it was the same thing. It's like, you know, I could have a great marketing message. That's great. But it's like, I need to have something that when somebody tries my product, they see it works like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so I brought a skill set to, to bear that, you know, I just didn't think anybody else brought to the table inside the mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm sitting here as a sales, if I'm sitting here trying to say, I'm going to teach you how to do sales by, you know, it's like the same thing you do to, to get the, the pretty girl or the hot girl or whatever it is to elevate your, the girls you date. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't know what I'm talking about in that area. It's like, it's not going to work because you don't have the skill set, um, n- you know, necessary to really sustain that business and not only to be different, but to be excellent at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so for the, I guess for the people that are listening, it's like, you have a dream, you want to be an entrepreneur. I think the first thing that you want to, first thing you want to look at is to ask yourself, you know, kind of, what are you really good at? What's something that you feel like you're better than average at, uh, you have a passion for, you know, and you know, maybe you can (laughs) like your self-help coaches, maybe you can, you know, stem the tide if you have a really good marketing message. But then again, that's a really tough thing to do in general. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, if I said, okay, well, I want to start a business. Well, yeah, maybe if I was like, when I grew up in Ohio, there's a ton of people that had landscaping businesses. Like generally, if you want to start a business there, that's what you do. You do landscaping in the summer, you do snow removal in the winter. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like, well, that's not going to work for me because I my uncle had a landscaping business and he's like, Oh, I'll give Matt a job. And so one summer I went out and worked for him one day and I was so bad. at it. <laughs> he handed me a $20 bill and goes, I love you, Matt, but you're not coming back. Here's $20 to go away. Pretty much. That's what it was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if, it, if, if I wasn't his, <clears throat> I mean, technically he's my cousin, but he's older than me enough that I call him my uncle. But, um, but it was like, I, I just knew, okay, well that's not going to be for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but eventually, you know, reality, you know, when reality comes in, you're trying to turn dreams into reality yes. that does that judging panel, so to speak, is going to be a skill set, and you have to execute off that skill set. So it's one thing to say, Oh, I'm really good at sales. Right. But can you teach people how to do sales? Can you do it in a way that mm. people actually want to spend money on you and spend time on you? Yeah. Because I could be really good at sales, but I'm just an absolutely intolerable person to be around 
or I would just speak very phonetically and bore the crap out of people. That's possible. Yes. Yeah, that's probable in some some yeah. degree. But yes. you have to have a skill in the arena that you're going into. So it's like, you know, people, you know, you look at Magic Johnson when he was a player. He's one of the best players of all basketball players of all time. And he said, okay, I'm going to coach the Lakers because I love the Lakers and this is my dream. Mm. And then he met the current Lakers in the mid-90s and they just didn't work hard. They were lazy. They weren't committed. And, and mm. he quit. And he said, he goes, I just don't understand how people don't work as hard as me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was his problem is that he didn't, you know, he didn't have that skill set. But, but a lot of the people that are successful NBA coaches aren't necessarily the best players but they're like the scrappy guy on the team. They're the guy that can't jump very high or they're not great shooters. Hustle. They have to re- they got the hustle. Well, they have to they have to figure out like okay, how can I how can I cut corners to get where I need <laughs> to go? And maybe it's hustle, maybe it's like I'm the smartest guy on the team and I can figure out when a pass is being made. Mm-hmm. I can sneak in on defense. I can do the things that you know, that nobody else is doing. And they probably make good coaches because they can teach methodology and strategy and, and, you know, impart hustle. But right. it's like, the reason, there's a reason Michael Jordan's never been a coach. It's because, look, he's the best player that ever lived. I mean, he's, he worked harder than everybody, but he was also like probably the most talented guy on the floor at the same time. And you can't, like, mm-hmm. it's hard to teach that, right? Yeah. And he fails teach- more than anybody else. He, well, like everybody, like most how many people. Shots him, did he, how many shots did he miss? How many games did he lose? How many, you know, he, he talks about that. He said, the reason that I'm as great as I am, that I'm as good as I am or great as I am, okay? Let, let's forget about the PR and the puff, you know, publicity. The reason that I have this, the talent that I have is because I was willing to fail so many times that I became great. And most people are not willing to fail. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to fail and fail forward. But exactly what you said about you got to have some talent, some skills, some expertise, some know-how. You got to have a passion for it. You got to like it. You got to want to do it. You got to do it even if they didn't. You got to want to do it even if you weren't getting paid to do it. And you got to meet and people got to want what you have to offer. There's got to be a need in the marketplace. There's got to be, there's got to be an opportunity to succeed. If you want to make buggy whips, you can make buggy whips, but I don't think there's a man. There's only one manufacturer of buggy whips left and they've probably gone out of business too. They don't sell them for buggies. Right? So the, the point is that if you're, if you want to, if you want to get started, and you want to make it as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. You can't live in a dream world. The bottom line is it's got to work. It's got to happen. People got to buy stuff that you have to offer. If you, Otherwise, you may as well just go back to smoking whatever you were smoking when you came up with the idea and forget about it. Go have a pizza. Because if you don't have that mindset as an entrepreneur, you're never going to make it. It's never going to happen. It's going to be a dream. It'll never be a reality. So failure and learning and effort or what it takes to make it work, and that is 24-7. 
It is not go to a cubicle for eight hours, take a two hour lunch, come in an hour late and go home an hour early and call it a day. That's not how it works. So you gotta have luck too. You can have I, all the I, smarts, the brains, the talent, the effort, and have a great idea, and you're just not lucky. The timing is wrong. And you know what? And you're and you're totally right. I mean, you look at. I mean, you have to have the skill, and I want to add something to that in a second. But you have to have enough skill to manage your luck. Like I remember when I was at Miami, but the guy that was a coach before I was there was Jimmy Johnson. Mm. And we we won the national championship one year, and then we were playing Notre Dame the next year. We lost by like six inches, like literally the last play of the game, our running back. And he ended up scoring, but the referee called him down as the game ended. Mm-hmm. And so he went back to the locker room and he said, the first thing he said to his people, he goes, what did I tell you before the game? You have to play better than the ref's ref. And so you have to execute your skill better than just depending on luck. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had a product that I was slated to release. I was traveling. I was on the other side of the world in February. I came back and I had this product that was slated to release in early March, early to mid-March. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what happened in early to mid-March? Coronavirus hit and everything shut down. Nobody spent money. People, the only thing they spent money on was liquor and toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it's like, you could, I get this great product. It was well thought out, well designed. I did a lot of things really well. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, a once in a century pandemic hits. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, you need to be prepared to absorb that and pivot and have some other ideas and do what you're going to do. But in the end, it's like, you know, it's like what Jimmy Johnson said, you have to play better than the ref's ref. And you have to assume that you're going to get some bad luck. I mean, that's the way I always mm-hmm. look at it. You have to mm-hmm. assume you're going to get bad luck. And, but you have to execute well enough to, to manage and overcome that bad luck. Yeah. Now, when it comes to skill, I think that's where it comes into. And you might say to yourself, there's people on here listening saying, well, I don't have like this great skill. Fair enough. You might come up with this great idea for a business, but there's a part of it that you need to execute on, but you don't have the skills. I yeah. love the fact that you're even saying that. Mm-hmm. So the, at that point is, is you know, where you really need to look at bringing other people in to be able to complement your skill set. You know, so for example, I'm really good at the, you know, in my business, I'm really good at the, at the um, philosophy of it and what I teach and the content and the curriculum but I, you know, I'm not a web designer by any means. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I can manage. I can manage the videography, and I can learn enough to be, you know, competent. Mm-hmm. But it's like if I were to bring in a partner right now, it, they wouldn't do. They wouldn't share any skill set with me. They'd have to be totally different. They'd have to be either be somebody with a ton of VC contacts. Mm. Um, you know, so think about Shark Tank when they go in and they proposition. And the guy comes back and he says, well, I want part of your business. You know, that's the initial thing is like, I want 35% of your business because mm-hmm. I have the contacts and I can, you know, help get it up. Sure. Um, but then secondly, you know, it's like maybe there's somebody that like, okay, well, you know, I suck at, you know, I'm not, you know, somebody that really has a passion for social media, <clears throat> but there's somebody that like, okay, I can execute on that. I can bring in business through channels that maybe you're not an expert on. And so they're going to help launch your business and, and, and um, scale your business in a way that you can't do. Mm-hmm. And so it comes a point in time where you need to know that. You need to know like, okay, what are some people 
you know, that can do what I can't do. If you're a basketball coach and you have, you know, 10 point guards on your team, well, it's obvious the guy that you need to add to your team is not the 11th point guard. You need to have, you need to get a really tall guy on your team. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to face a team that's, you know, just going to dunk all over your 10 point guards. Right. I think that's kind of where you have to evaluate it. And to your point, you have to be very honest with yourself. I mean, brutally honest and say, okay, what am I really good at? First of all, and if you do mention something, how do you know that that's true? Mm -hmm. Like you might think that you're really good at it, but in the scheme of everybody else in the market, maybe you're not. You might be the best high school player on your team and then you go to college and you get no playing time because (laughs) everybody on that college team is better than you, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But then secondly, it's like you need to map it out. And I like Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, I think was really good at that in in showing it's like, okay, what are the things he, he talks about in that book, the need to... You kind of map out your organizational chart, right? Of like mm-hmm. where you see your business when it's fully scaled out. And then you basically work through, you know, when you start out, you're in every position, right? Right. Your payroll, your videography, you're the manager, whatever. And then you work to replace yourself. But I think understanding when you do that, one of the things that I learned was it's important to learn what this business is going to need, what it needs yes. now and what it's going to need in the future. And then that, that kind of helps you get a sense on what you're going to need. And I remember the first thing that I said was, okay, when I launch my business, the first person I'm going to hire is a bookkeeper. Mm. <laughs> I never would have thought that prior to reading that book. But it's like, I don't really want to sit here and spend, I, I really have no interest at all in tabulating expenses and, you know, putting together reports and all that. I just don't like it at all. Sure. Sure. At all. And it's important if you don't have those numbers either every day or at the end of the month, you don't know if you're making money and you don't know if you're using your resources properly. You don't know if you made good decisions and that's all water under the bridge. But yes, you've got to have that business uh, information. Okay. And a good bookkeeper is worth their weight in gold. Okay. Especially if it's not something you want to do or have the time to do. Well, and that's part of it is even if I, even if I had a passion for it, it's like, I only have so many hours in the day where I'm going to be able to execute well and I don't want to spend my time on bookkeeping. I mean, when somebody else is like, you know, somebody else, that's their passion. They love doing it, right? They're order freaks. They love having a world full of order and they're willing to do it for like, you could probably get somebody to do it for five, 10 bucks an hour. Right. But you don't want to become the anal retentive chef like an an snl video uh, video skit because he never he never he never cooks anything he's too busy arranging the salt and pepper shakers and i and i like he never makes a meal i like the anal retentive carpenter because he had his tool belt (laughs) in alphabetical order (laughs) all the tools were in alphabetical order let me tell you let me tell you an example of something that i used to happen to me when i was in it business and a computer services company okay I would hear about guys who had a pizza place or they had an accounting, they were an accountant and they, they happened to have a little bit of know-how in computers and programming. So they, they came up, woke up one morning and said, you know what? All accountants or all people who own a pizza restaurant should have this kind of software to run their business. And then they'd become obsessed with it. 
and they'd start programming. And pretty soon, they're spending all their time attempting, maybe to some degree successfully or not, we don't really know, um, attempting to create a software management program application. And this was back in the day, okay? And their business went down the tubes because they spent all their time being a programmer when instead of running, selling pizzas or doing accounting. And we, if we were in the business and we would just go like, oh my God, seriously? How many programs out there could you just adapt for what, you're not looking for a solution. You've become obsessed with creating something. And there many times their business would just go down the tubes and discontinue. You're in the wrong. You're not in the business of creating software to manage a pizza place. You're in a. You're 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 running a pizza place. So that's an example of how entrepreneurs, even small business owners, even successful business owners, can go down the path of wearing one hat all day long or coming up with one uh, or working on one idea or maybe they're in business xyz and all of a sudden they get they they get this idea to do abc which is completely different you know that old saying stick to your knitting and they go off in a different direction to pursue something that they get excited about or to do something they're not that great at or something that takes away from the efforts that they really need to be paying attention to in their business, and they completely are done. They're done. Yeah, but you made I a smart it... decision. You said, I don't really like to do bookkeeping. I might be able to do it, but my time is better spent doing something else. So let me just find a really great, whatever, bookkeeper, <laughs> property manager, whatever it is, and let them do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I think some people call it the shiny object syndrome where it's like, yes. where it's like, oh, look at that. Or it's like, you know, if you have a dog and you go squirrel, you know, <laughs> but I had, a, you know, one of the guys, the guy that I initially watched his video back in the day that got me really thinking about starting my own business, <clears throat> he was talking about, he said, he goes, there's a phrase out there that is the most expensive phrase in the English language. <clears throat> And he says, in fact, if you ever mention, if you ever say the phrase, just understand you're going to lose a lot of money. And that phrase is, wouldn't it be cool if? <clears throat> because you get this idea in your head about and this vision of like, oh, this would be great if I did this. Wouldn't it be cool if I did this? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he goes, every time I did that, I lost a lot of money. Yes. And he said, you know, I had a website and I just, I thought the website could be better. And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I just hired my own team and they just designed the website? And he goes, I can't even tell you the amount of money that I threw away pursuing wouldn't yeah. it be cool if. So he goes, now I know that when I hear the phrase, wouldn't it be cool if, I know immediately what, what follows, what, uh, what Bankruptcy. comes after that <laughs> is, well, maybe. Yeah. It is a really bad money move. And so he said, one of the things you really need to consider is just like, you don't have to be, th you don't have to, people aren't going to view your business the way you view your business, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, you know, look at Google, for example, their webpage is basically a white screen with a, with a funky little graphic and a search bar. Yeah. That's it. Well, yeah, one, 
Yes, and a trillion dollars worth of infrastructure assets and right, technology to back it up. Right, but they didn't always have that trillion dollars. When they started no. in 98, they still had, they had the Google logo, a search bar, and then two yeah. buttons. Yeah. Search now, I think, and then I'm feeling lucky, which would give you the top <laughs> one, right? And that's how they built a trillion dollar one, but it wasn't yeah. really super elegant. The question is, you know, they were they behind the scenes. Yes. You're right. Behind the scenes, they were creating an infrastructure and an algorithm that solved people's problems. Right. I want to find the answer to my question with the least amount of effort and clicks possible. Right. But they didn't make this super crazy thing. Whereas you look at Yahoo, and I don't really know that I've even thought about this. Yahoo tried to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But look at Yahoo's page right now. I don't think it's I don't think it's ever been different than what it is right now. Yahoo's page is it's like the penny saver yeah i mean it's totally i mean the colors they use it's verizon is verizon is bought them for four billion even though at one time they were probably worth 400 billion but verizon has bought them and they're they're slowly changing but unfortunately they're verizon and they're a giant corporation and so now they don't allow people to make comments about news right. posts. They don't, they, they're changing their algorithms. It's getting to the point where I didn't, I, I didn't even want to waste my time going there because it's basically three news. Items. What, yeah. some, uh, what some woman was wearing, politics, what somebody said about somebody else, about somebody else, and some kind of uh, economic or COVID news. And that's it. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Well, and, and again, that's kind of, you know, you're hitting on my point exactly. So the one that drives, I'm always, I always have at any given time, one or two or three different companies that I just want to choke their CEOs. Mm-hmm. You know, for the <laughs> longest time, it was Netflix because Netflix, back when they were sending DVDs, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, they have their own little niche and they put Blockbuster out of business, but then they started streaming. And I remember the first time I saw a Netflix app native on a TV, right? Yeah. And I thought, this is amazing. Are you kidding me? Like, and so I thought, I wonder what's on there. Because I knew, I knew Netflix's, um, I had a good sense of what Netflix's library was like for DVDs. And they had everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, we're going we're gonna to look for something really low-hanging fruit. So I, tur- I t- looked at Star Wars. Sure. Nothing. I said, and then I said, okay, Titanic. Uh, and the only thing that showed up were these obscure documentaries that were like, you know, 32 minutes long or whatever it is. Yeah. And they were, they were filmed in like the sixties or whatever, eighties. Right. right. And, uh, and I'm like, this, this guy drives, this guy could literally, he put Blockbuster out of business. He could put every subscription movie channel out of business in short order. Mm-hmm. But the reason they didn't have anything on their streaming was because the rights to create it as a DVD, they paid a certain amount per movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or per movie per rental. Right. But the streaming rights, they never wanted to pay for. Right. And I'm like, <clears throat> the, the person is literally handing you the knife to stab themselves with. <laughs> and you're not pulling the trigger. It's like you literally have them, you have them dead to rights yeah. and you won't pull the trigger. And I'm like, Reed Hastings, who it's the, um, no, Reed Hoffman. Because there's two reads. Reed Hastings mm-hmm. is LinkedIn. Reed Hoffman is is um, is Netflix. Right. And 
I'm like, this guy drives me nuts. Like he literally had, he could literally own this entire vertical mm-hmm. this industry mm-hmm. immediately. I mean, within a short order if he wanted to, right? Yeah. But then the one that, the, the one that is currently on my list of I would, I would choke the CEO if I met them today was the people that run Bing. Oh. Here you have, you have the default browser for Microsoft. And Microsoft is the default operating system for every corporate computer system in the country. True. And I thought, okay, for my business, I'm selling to salespeople. I definitely want to go on Bing. Well, first of all, I tried to spend money on them and the ad, the, the, I couldn't even get impressions. And, and you got to understand, I wasn't doing this alone. I had a Bing advisor working with me. Right. And they still couldn't get impressions. Right. <clears throat> and the, 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 I mean, just the way that you input things into Bing and choose your audiences was, I, I swear it's 10 years ago. Yeah. Nothing like Google, nothing like Facebook, nothing like really any of them. And I'm like, you are literally, you're the only last, you're like the last hope for competing with Google for advertising revenue. And you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what you're doing. I'm literally getting handheld yeah. by this guy living in New Jersey that works for them. Yeah. And I, and he still couldn't get impressions flowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy. Right. You know, and it's like, anyway, so I mean, I guess that's where it goes to like, when you talk about executing, it's like you could do Google and say, okay, we're just going to spend five minutes making the, you know, the front page and not even the front page. It's the only page, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to spend five minutes doing that, but then we're going to spend all our money henceforth on the algorithm and, you right. know, and all that kind of fun stuff. And then buy sure. out double click, which was completely needs to be undone if, if we're getting on a side on the side on that. Mm. Um, or you could go Yahoo, where you basically say, we're going to follow Jerry's, I forget who the, who the two guys were that started Yahoo, Jerry something or other. Yes. Um, and we're going to try to be... Yang, like, I think his name was. Jerry Yang, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And we're going to try to be, we're going to try to set it up like categories, like, okay, I'm going to click on sports. And then once I mm-hmm. click on sports, I get a new page. I'm going to click on football. Mm. And then I'm going to click on pro football. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're making this big, complicated thing with pictures of who's dating who and videos sure. and all this stuff. Sure. And it's like getting back to what we we're talking about before. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if we had all this stuff on our front page? Google said, screw it. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be cool if we made a lot of money? Well, yeah, I think I think. Well, first of all, you know, I I call this go, uh, walking down memory lane because uh, I've been in the IT and computers since before Bill Gates, uh, working on machines with the CPM operating system, and before that, punched cards, and before that, punched paper tape, uh, Fortran and COBOL. But my point is, uh, you got to get you got to have something going for you if you're going to get something going, okay. And you can quote me on that. Uh, Google had that algorithm they borrowed from Stanford University. Okay, so that's how they got the show on the road. That's how Is they that really where they got up. it. Yes, Stanford University, and even to this day, I believe they share the patent with Stanford University for the original Google search algorithm. But they got the idea. PhDs from Stanford, uh, you know, uh, uh, smart guys, right? Smart guys. Um, not just uh, some Joe Blow uh, sitting there who's just figured out how to do basic programming. 
smart guys from Stanford. They said, look, this thing is happening. This World Wide Web is happening. The internet thing is happening. But nobody knows where anything is. Let's build the card catalog, so to speak, for the internet, for the World Wide Web. And that's where they found the algorithm, and that's what they started. And of course, they wrote a tsunami of, of technological innovation. And nobody knew the internet was going to be what it is today. No, every, I, I, I've studied it for years. It started off as ARPANET, and it was, a, it was just a simple protocol that connected uh, supercomputers at supercomputer centers with the Department of Defense. It was, it was, it was a geekdom, okay? Nobody ever dreamed that the average person uh, would ever have any use for it at all. Of course, I said that about microcomputers and soon to be called right. personal computers. So they had to have something going for them before they could get something going. Okay, they were smart, they had the algorithm, they had a vision, they had incredible motivation to make it happen, and they wrote a tsunami of, uh, uh, of, of the information world and technology, okay? So if they didn't have all those things going for them, they would have said, Google who? What, what is that? Is that a donut? I don't know what that is. What is that? Is that kind of donut? You get a Dunkin' Donuts? I don't know what a Google is. So- Do you know where they got the name from? I'm not positive. I think it was a, a, a it wasn't it a mathematical term for yeah, like so, a lot of zeros. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was called it was called a Google it was called a Googleplex. Right. And it was I forget how many zeros, but it's like it's you have millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions and mm -hmm. it's way past that number. So Right. It was originally they named it Googleplex mm -hmm. and then they shortened it down to Google. So apparently right. Sean Parker must have met with them too. Yeah. <laughs> But I do remember the ArcoNet. I just have one problem is why are you not giving Al Gore his due? I thought he invented all that. Inform he invented the information superhighway, okay? But there's no cars on it. It never really existed. And people, people made fun of it because he called it the information superhighway, and nobody really understood what that was. But you're right. He was a little ahead of his time. Yeah, nobody um, understood Al Gore anyway. That's right, because his nobody understood the algorithm. Oh dear God! I I didn't even see that one coming. It it, it came <laughs> it came and it left. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Al Gore rhythm. Why? Yeah. Well, my name is Al. I, I I relate to that. You right. Know? Why? I, I can't believe he hasn't taken credit for that one. That must be amazing. Now I always remember his <laughs> wife. His wife Tipper Gore did more to help me choose music than anybody else ever. So in the okay. 80s, when all the gangster rap came out, I was, I was like one of the early adopters. I was actually listening to NWA before they became famous, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have this stuff come out, and Tipper Gore uh, was head of what they called the Family Research Council. Uh. And it was basically one of these nonprofit advocacy groups. And they said, well, we want to slap a sticker on every album that explicit. has a curse, explicit yes. lyrics. And so it says Nasty. parental... Right, and so they put a little black label on it that says mm -hmm. parental discretion is advised. Which means buy this. Which, by the way, <laughs> NWA on their first album, on their first album, on that first album they had that went like mainstream, one of the songs was called Parental Discretion is Advised, and it was a shot right. of her. Right. Well, for me, I was like, I go into the store, a record store, you know, back when they had those, and I, I would flip through the, the I'd flip through the hip hop section mm -hmm. 
and I don't necessarily know, you know, some of the people I know, some of them I don't know, but unless they had that sticker on it, I wouldn't buy it. Why bother? Right. right. But if I saw yeah. one of somebody, I didn't know, if I, if I did, right. But if I didn't know who <laughs> they, if I didn't know who they were, but they had a sticker on it, I'd yes. give it a shot. Yeah. And so, so what I, I appreciated you, Tipper Gore. Yeah. Tipper, well, Tipper I hear, Gore what I hear you telling me, Matt, is that Tipper Gore actually tipped you off to what the Gore was. Well, okay, now you're really ahead of the game because I never connected <laughs> that either. Yeah, she was she was tipping me off. <laughs> to the Gore. And, then, and little did I know that Al um that Al Gore was setting the Al Gore rhythm. Right. 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 This is this is kind of what I do sometimes. I like to come up with snappy snappy phrases to uh acronyms you never needed to know and i wish i would have known that in college because mm -hmm. al gore was the vice president when i was in college yes part of the time and i would have loved to use that in my calculus class oh sure of course so maybe yeah. is maybe that's the way he speaks he speaks <laughs> in an al gore rhythm <laughs> that southern tennessee drawl yeah well yeah, his draw wasn't good enough to get him elected president, but um, you could leave that to the Supreme Court. And why we elected the, that idiot twice, uh, namely George W. 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 Why w. we elected him the second time is the most amazing thing I've. The, the one run thing across. I like, the only thing that I like about George Bush was the fact that he could spell a word without vowels. He could say Merca. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Like what that doesn't even one? have any vowels. Nu nuclear, nuclear, nu nuclear. Yeah, but like nuclear. he actually, he actually could go on 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 Wheel of Fortune. Yes. Put all the continents in, and they go <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Have to solve it, and he would spell it phonetically. Murph. Just imagine if if George W. had been born in the Czech Republic. Uh, just it boggles the mind. It really does. I got to tell you, like. <laughs> I, I still like <laughs> it, it reminds me it goes back to this it was like this is where it comes to politics and it just it, it attracts the, the lowest common denominator and I still mm. say this um there's this old video on um what's it called there's this old video on C where uh, for Jerry Brown when he was on uh, oh, God. did you ever see this video I probably did, but we're not going to go down that road of politics, are we? Because no, we, no, 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 no. Okay. I hate them all. I hate them all. So. <laughs> hate them. Put them all in one basket and then set the basket on fire is basically, you know. Yeah, there's, there's this video and I was trying to find it, but there's this video of him on CNN and he wasn't the, he wasn't the, um, I don't know if he was the governor back then. I knew he was the mm. mayor of Oakland. Okay. Um, A thankless okay. job, by the way. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. So uh, it doesn't matter. It. No, 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 no. It's a great video. To. No, it's short. It's like a few seconds. It's not even long. Yeah, but it's going to take you thirty minutes to find it. No, I just found it. I just, I oh, just found okay. it. Thanks to Google, it. exactly what we thanks. were talking about thanks. before. Yeah. yeah, proof of Actually, proof of. of well, we're uh, gonna uh, we're gonna technically thank Duck Duck Go on this one. <laughs> Duck Duck Go. Duck Duck Go. <laughs> Duck Duck Go. So I'm gonna Isn't play. Isn't that a children's out. game? No, it's a browser. They don't track oh, you. I know it's a browser. All right, so let's do. But it works like a children's game. It does. So let's do this. Let's. Oh, doctor, are we going to go there? Oh, right. <laughs> Who's that talking to him? Is that Bill Gates? <laughs> no, looks this like is Bill a guy, Gates. I know it's not. I know it's not. Jerry Brown. Listen, I love this one, and I'll talk okay. about why it's relevant. 
I love that you're testing out this functionality on Zoom. That's the only thing I care about. I don't hear them yet. Are we supposed to hear them? Hold on. Look at you adjusting you, everything like a like a 747. Can, can you hear pilot. that? No, I don't. All right, so let's do this. It doesn't matter. All right, I, I'll put, watch this. Oh, now I'm impressed. I still say that guy uh, that's interviewing looks like Bill Gates's cousin. So anyway, okay, I'm going to play around with this later. So <laughs> what he said was yeah. he gave this interview on My CNN, God. and this was back in like, <laughs> I don't know, I want to say it was the early 90s, maybe it was the 80s. Sure. And uh, and he said, well, what did you, he, Jerry Brown says, well, you know, everybody lies. Former right? governor, it says on the uh, on the TV. There. True. This was, this was back in like 2000 and... This interview was in the 90s, but mm. the ad that they were playing, this video, yeah. was for, yeah. was like, I don't know, two, it was like when Arnold Schwarzenegger was running for governor, you know? Arnold. It was like 2000, Arnold. So, but he said, California. So Jerry Brown just says, as, a, as an aside, he goes, you know, what did you, you know, what did you lie about? And he says, are you kidding me? I lied about everything. I mean, you're running for <laughs> office. He goes. Uh, it's called politics. No, he said, he goes, he goes, um, hold on, let me do, let me cancel uh, okay. this, pause and okay. share. Okay. Um, but he goes, yeah, he goes, you lie about everything. You tell them the crime's going to go down, you're going to lower taxes, the streets are going to be better, the schools what? are going to be better. Politics? Goes, Politicians making promises? No, but he goes, he goes, it, he goes, it was all, but, but what, he, what he did do that was unique on this one, mm. what he said, he goes, but we knew, we knew we were lying. None of it was true. The schools are worse, the roads are worse, taxes right. go up, and crime goes up. We all know that. We just want to get elected. But he well, came out and said it. No, yeah. but I'm saying we all know that's the truth, but he just right. came out and said it. Well, and he so, just came out and said it. Right. So he, when he, Who he does ran he think he office, is? Teddy Roosevelt? Right. When he <laughs> ran for office, like, what is it, 10, 15 years ago, right. Meg Whitman oh. was his when she was terrible but i was oh. she ran the worst political campaign of all time and i'm like all you had to do with was, her own money right all you had to do was run this ad over and over and over and over again and you'd probably win the election and she never used it because you know she's not a politician. she's a moron no she's a she, moron i wouldn't call her a moron she's got a lot of money and she ran hp into or, the ground or, or ebay she, okay. or whatever she was running by the way i don't know I know oh, what she yeah. ran. She ran <laughs> HP into the ground and was using no, but and then she ran what was it Quibi? She was the yeah. CEO of Quibi. Quibi. Which recently, uh, she just ran into the ground ran, and they're officially ceasing ran it below the ground. Actually, below into the ground. The grave. She turned into it into a she turned it into a subway network because it went <laughs> under the ground. And ironically, it's ceasing operations at the end of this month. Yes. Well, so, look, but anyway, all I want to well, say, all I want to say into, about it goes into skill, like we were talking about. Yes, it's like yes. But all I want to say about politics is what Jim Carrey said about this election. You have two choices: you have corruption, and you have corruption light. That's so you true. know, you, you you know, let's call it. I, like that's it is. that's my that's my general view of every political race. <laughs> and the higher it is toward the national level, the more yes. it is. Yes. Well, like if you're a school board, it's corruption and corruption light. But then when you're running for more power, like on my Facebook profile, it says political affiliation. It says vote out the incumbents. Like, like exactly. if you're an, if I don't know who you are, but I see that you're the incumbent, I vote yes. for your opponent generally. I look at it the same way as I look at my garbage. 
it's picked up every Wednesday, and then I don't get to see it anymore. Right. So it's gone. Okay, by the way, but that, what we need are special be, bins. We need special bins to, for these people. We need, and not that anybody uses them anymore, but we need to have a bumper sticker with that on it. I see politicians treat them like my garbage. I, <laughs> they're gone a, every Wednesday. It's, it's gone. They're gone every Wednesday. And I don't Wednesday. know where it goes, and I don't care. Right, and, and I don't, yeah, as long Just, as it goes. Listen, it's like the old I saying, ask, it's like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here anymore. Right, all I ask is, do, is for the truck not to destroy my garbage bin, which it has a habit of doing because it's not calibrated properly. It slams the bin down and destroys it. And well, then the city wants like me to no. pay $120 for a new bin. No, they just don't like you. It's not that. It's, they literally have <laughs> They don't the know me. They don't they know the me. App, they, 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 they don't know whether to like me or not. No, they do. I'm sure you like cut the guy off in traffic and he's like, oh, that's that guy's house. The I guy see, that's I know driving that the garbage truck? Yeah, I don't he's think probably so. Like, you probably cut him <laughs> off in traffic and he goes by your house, sees the license plate and goes, that's him. And he pushes the button that goes, bang. Yeah, okay. I don't think they put that much thought into it. I think it's just a technology calibration thing. but Because so they're destroying all the garbage cans on our street. So what you're saying all. is you don't think there's some vast conspiracy among sanitary workers to make your life miserable. I'll have to think about that and get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. But let's, let, let, let me talk, let's talk some more about entrepreneurs and the need to pivot the failure and to learn from that failure and timing it's all about look if if google had wanted to become google 10 years before google wanted to become google it wouldn't have worked it was impossible aol look at aol they ruled the universe they sent those uh, dvds or cds or whatever the hell those plastic things were they were dropping them from helicopters on cities i mean they were sending them to every human being they sent me by 10 of them you know, and I'm supposed to take those things and listen to the, you know, and, and log in and, and AOL bought Time Warner. What the hell? So Google would not have been Google if all the right things hadn't come together. The smart guys, the Stanford algorithm, the right timing, the right execution. No CD-ROMs. tsunami of information technology. Uh, <laughs> no CD-ROMs. Yeah, no CD-ROMs. And, and not only that, but broadband, Wi-Fi, cell phones, all of that had to come together and well, they still had to make it work. And I would say that you throw in YouTube on that too. Without broadband and T1 lines, you're not going to have YouTube because you wouldn't be able to play it. No, you could do AOL and, with I your, mean, think about with it. your it's, uh, 3600 it's, baud modem, you know, but, but think how about long it. does so, it take to send an email? You take a look at you took a look at the broadband speeds. You take a, the advent of cameras on phones. Yes. Um, I mean, so many other things that you could put together that all kind of, it was just like one big. Right. I mean, you talk about luck, right? Like if you had yes. started Google five years Tiny. earlier, it wouldn't have worked because you Slash wouldn't have been luck. able to do all that stuff. They wouldn't be able to buy uh, YouTube and double click, ad click well, and double I click. Think, I think the dot-com bust was a perfect example of that. People were going to bars, ordering a couple of uh, uh, shots of, uh, uh, of, of, of whatever their libation was they were drinking and penciling out a new business on the back of an envelope or something napkin whatever envelope napkin with their sharpie and then going out and getting hundreds of millions of dollars to back it up and look what happened i mean the whole thing just blew up supernova and only a few were left standing 
okay? So my point is this. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to create the new thing, you're going to be the new disrupt, you're going to create the new industry, you're going to just you're going to change the way people live their lives and what they do on a daily basis, you better be prepared to understand the factors and the the complications and the problems and you better have the right timing and you better be prepared to fail, but not just to fail you got to fail forward, you got to learn from your mistakes, and you got to be able to pivot. If there are many, many businesses out there that are successful today that are, don't look anything like what the people started with, okay, they had to make a change. They, the, 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 the environment changed, the country changed, the economy changed, something changed, and change is the name of the game. And they had to pivot and they had to change. So, You've got to just, and, and some of this is radical change, and some of it is evolutionary change. Your business is going to change, and you're going to have to figure out what that change means to your customer, to your client, to yourself, to your employees, to, to, to your accountant, to the tax man, everything. Your banker, everything. Everybody's got to be in on it because if it, you don't change and take advantage of the new opportunity and you're flogging the old opportunity that doesn't exist anymore your history and i think you bring up a good point on that so a lot of people look at it like a binary difference like either i'm going to be successful or i'm not mm -hmm. and if they are that's great and if they're not they're like oh my gosh i'm not meant to be and they take things personally Mm. And, and I'm sure you're going to echo this, but like one of the things that I found is it's not about that. And whether it's owning a business or running somebody else's business, you're going to have periods of time where you're successful. You're going to have periods of time where you're wildly successful and you're going to have periods of time where you're not successful and mm -hmm. you're going to have periods of time where you're wildly not successful. The problem is it's not a 50, 50 split. And what successful people do, what I've seen is that they take the times that are not successful as kind of lessons plans on what they can do to, to change, right? Yes. And they say, okay, well, this isn't working. It's not, oh, this isn't working. Life sucks. I'm terrible. It's, okay, well, why isn't this working? And they try to figure out that answer as soon as possible. Um, and most of the time, it's, it's, like, it's like walking on coals, right? Yes. It's, it's okay. You know, I went here, this kind of worked, but now it's not working anymore. Then I move here. So it's never going to be this thing where it's like, I'm jumping in, I'm successful and life set for the rest of my life. Entrepreneurship is really about, I mean, it's almost like mental training more than it is anything else. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm going to go in and, and just be successful mm -hmm. right off the bat. No musician, no band, no, you know, nobody who ever made it really big started successful. They were all terrible. I mean, Taylor Swift couldn't land a record contract. I mean, think about that. She was singing um, country music, country western music. In Nashville, and she still couldn't land a contract, right? She was writing you know, her own songs. You look at everybody who has made it big, <laughs> and like they've been shot down by, before. They've been told oh, they've been terrible. Decimated, decimated. And, and so you have a business, and you have to say, okay, well, let's say um, you do an ad and nobody clicks on it. And I remember when I, I ran a pretty big, uh, pretty big department for a Fortune 500 company, and that was kind of, I, I took things systematically. I'm like, 
all right, well, let's figure out the first bottleneck. Are we getting a yes. hold of people? If we are, yes. great. Are they, are they staying on the phone? If great, if not, then let's figure out why and we work our way down. Yeah. And so if you have an ad and you put an ad out and you say, well, why isn't anybody clicking on it? Well, we need to figure that out, right? Right. Now, when it came to Twitter, Twitter, just nobody clicked on it. That was a money hole. So I learned that lesson really quickly. Um, and, but then other times it's like, okay, well, why aren't people clicking on it? So you do things differently, you figure it out, and then you learn how to get people to click on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then people are on that page. Are they clicking on the button on your page? <laughs> yes. Not, and it's all problem solving to get to a point. And the better you get at problem solving and narrowing it down and learning about your market and why they do things and what they do and what they're yes. thinking about when they're there, um, it makes you better at what you're doing. You know, if you look at anybody who's excellent at their job, you look at Bill Belichick, the coach, probably the best coach that's ever coached in football. Mm. You know, he got ran out of two NFL jobs. He was, you know, he probably was at a point when he started out, he was terrible. Yes. But then he, he learned some things, you know, and there was, uh, who was that? I was listening to Jason Whitlock, who's like this really famous sports journalist, right? Um, and he, he was talking about when he got out of college, he goes, yeah, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was, everything i thought i could mm -hmm. handle everything he goes and then i had a boss who was just really rough on me and he was just honest and brutal and he goes and he goes i learned more in that job this is his first job out of college he goes and that and that turned the corner for me and it actually made me a good writer and then every job i went to where i was had a bigger audience and bigger expectations and made more money he goes all the lessons, all the reasons I was successful in these other jobs went back to the first job when I went from mm -hmm. being terrible and couldn't put together a coherent thought pattern to being somebody that like, you know, people like would meet me in restaurants and say, Hey, I love your column. I love your column. And it's all because of things where I learned that lesson early on. And so sure. I think, you know, hitting on what you said, it's like, okay, if you start out as an entrepreneur, you have to understand that in the very beginning, you're going to suck. <laughs> you're going to be terrible. Yes. You're going to make a but lot of mistakes to, and you're going to suck. And I would say one of the business lessons I learned is to not dedicate a lot of money early on because you're more mm -hmm. likely going to suck and waste that money. So you want to Don't get, throw money at the problem. Yeah. You want to have very quick tests on things and you want to have very inexpensive tests and you want to be able to figure it out as soon as possible. And so right. like when I had, when I started my first business, my online business, the, one of the first things I did was I needed to figure out, all right, is the, is the name of the business, is it catchy? Do people like it? And so mm -hmm. I went on LinkedIn and I went on an alumni group in LinkedIn from mm -hmm. the University of Miami. And I said, Hey, I'm going to, these are five different names. Which one do you guys like? Mm. You know, I, I played the violin too. I'm like, Hey, I'm a graduate. I just sure. I'm trying to build a business, trying to start up and I need some alumni support. Yeah. Survey so, says. Yeah. And so I sent five of them out and 50% of the responses went to one of the five. It was a very clear winner. Hmm. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I need to do a logo. So I went to fiverr.com, which is by the way, very cheap, five bucks for every person that does it. And I ended up fi like finding three or four different logos that I liked. Yeah. Yeah. And I went back to that group. I'm like, hey, guys, you did a great job. Thanks so much. I have one more I need help with. These are the four logos. Which one do you like? Mm -hmm. And of the four choices or whatever it was, one of them got 50% of the vote again. Okay. And it's like, okay, well, I just literally spent, I, I spent a total of $60. I spent, I hired 12 people on Fiverr. 
you know, eight of them, I didn't like their logos. Four of them, I, I thought they were tolerable or whatever mm-hmm. at the very least. Mm-hmm. And then I, for free, I got, you know, a very diverse set of people who were willing to take a look and give me feedback. So now sure. after spending $60, I have a business name and a logo that I feel very confident about. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have easily <laughs> spent a lot more money to figure it out or even just said, screw it. I'm not going to ask and I'm just going to put a business name out and maybe I picked the wrong name. Sure. It just doesn't like, you know, it doesn't work. Like in the eighties, yeah. the, the, the biggest competitor at X lax was, a, was a company called AIDS. Right. AYDS. AYDS until the AIDS, you know, epidemic hit and then they changed their name and I don't know what their name is now, but it's like, you really don't want to start like there's a business, no joke. There's a business out there called covid.com. Right. It's an, it's an audio visual company. So think of uh, like COVID. Right. right. And they they got some of the biggest traffic in March. They need any, to pivot. Well, no, but they, you would have thought they would have changed their website and said, if you're looking for information on COVID, this is not it. But if you're looking for, you know, I know what I would do, high quality electronics. You know what I, I would do? I would change the name of the electronics company and then I would take the website, which has obvious monetary value. And I would say, you came to the right place if you want to know about COVID. COVID-19, COVID-17, COVID-14. We got all the COVIDs here. We got yeah, COVID. this is it. This is it. COVID, right. your connection who, who company. Who the heck? Who the heck cares? Who but cares? But my point is they got so much traffic. Of course. And, and they is did that a good not- thing, though? Did they turn that traffic into no. sales? No, because not. that page that I just showed you right. is, was the same one that it was in March. You see, they're, they're not getting it. They're too busy thinking about the way it should be or the way it was. They're not thinking about how it's going to be. And you're, you said the two main things in entrepreneurship, solving problems and execution. You can't have, you, if you're solving problems, make sure you're solving the right problems, first of all. Okay. And make sure once you solve some of those problems, you're executing on what you learned from that and making something work. It's never going to be perfect. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Okay, if you want the perfect logo or the perfect web page or the perfect product or the perfect service, forget about it. You, you, you go back to smoking whatever you were smoking when you came up with the idea and forget about it because you're never going to have perfect. You're going to have this kind of works. How do we make it better? That's the key. How do we make it better? Those guys never looked at their webpage and the ton of traffic they were getting and saying, how do we capitalize on this? How do we make it better? They just kept thinking, oh, look at all the people that are looking at our weird cables and boxes and stuff that nobody wants. Uh, isn't that great? No, it's not great. All it's doing is, is, is slowing down your website, probably <laughs> bringing it right. to a crawl or a halt. You well, know, it's like a could, denial of service attack and <laughs> right. you're getting nothing out of it. Nothing. And that goes back to when, you know, when people first started talking about, you know, you need to advert, you need to be on social media to make your business work. You know, I just, I have, I have a background in marketing just like you do. And I just, I, I kept thinking to myself, I don't remember engagement ever being a metric in marketing. It's about, it's about money. It's about dollars coming in. If you don't have dollars coming in, 
and you're spending money on marketing, you're wasting your money. And here are these people, here are these people saying it's, no, it's, but it's an ego trip, right? It's like, oh, Oh, I I have all these likes on my page. Well, it's like the COVID company said, oh my gosh, our traffic has gone up 8 million percent in the last month. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is great. People are going to come in our store. Like, no, they're not. You need to actually pivot, you know, and, um, and do that. So like, what was the other one that came in? Um, Oh, there was another one that we were talking about. Oh, Corona, the Corona beer company. Mm, Yes. They did a study in April and they said that 49%, was it 49%? I forget the number said that they would stop drinking Corona because they were worried about getting the coronavirus. Now, if I'm the marketing guy at Corona, the fact that you're even talking about Corona without me doing anything, I'm immediately going to send my PR hacks on TV and be funny about it. Exactly. They're Mexicans. No, but it's like, well, it's Corona's owned by a whole bunch of rich multinationals. That is true, too. I I take that back. It's Mexican Beer. Beer, right. Okay. If, yeah. Right. It's goat piss. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole point is I drink like enough if, of it. I know it's what it the is. best opportunity for you. I mean, when's the last time that you could ever get, if you're Corona, that you could ever get your PR hacks on TV? Well, sure. It's like they and say you in put Hollywood. that on there. If you put that on there and it's like, oh, now you have a chance to show you're funny, you're fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, the best cure from coronavirus is sitting on the beach drinking a Corona. Like with a the lime. best with, with a or lime. the best the best cure to a shutdown is yeah, with a lime. <laughs> and you, and you, you know what they the, did? Got to have they the did, lime. Right? And they you have to with that one for sure. Yeah. Um but, but they did nothing. <laughs> well, they did nothing. They're big, you know, they're like you said, they're part of a big corporation. It takes them a while to wake up and figure out stuff, you know. Right. They don't have nimble entrepreneurial mindset to pivot and make take advantage of it, right? And that's and, and, and you that, know what they say in Hollywood. Say anything you want about me, just spell my just name correctly. You right. know, that's all I ask. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and I think that's the one thing you look at if you're if you're a startup business owner and you're saying, okay, well, you know, what happens is you actually have an advantage on these big companies. You know, it's like there's a difference between a speedboat being able to turn and turning the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're right. The, the, I will tell you this. The amount of bureaucracy inside multinational conglomerates is insane because, one, you have to get approvals on every level. And, two, people are scared of making the wrong decision and losing their job. Right. Um, and they have those whole, and not to get off on a tangent, but they have like basically, typically they have prohibitions of speaking for the company unless you're the media hack, but it takes mm-hmm. forever to be able to do that. But sure. if you're starting your own business, if I'm this COVID company in, they're in Tempe, Arizona, <laughs> and I had this happen, this is literally God handing you money. It's a gift. Think it's, about it's this. No, but think about heaven. this. Think about this. You're an audio video company in the midst of a shutdown. I would immediately say, if you, you know, make sure your Netflix doesn't slow down. Here's the perfect, you know, HDMI cord to make sure that that you never. That could be a good way to do it. And they didn't do any. I mean, God literally says, I want to hand you money. It's handing out $50 bills on the sidewalk. And you're like, nah, we're cool. Yeah. I'm going to keep walking. I don't need that. And and you Um, talk about luck. How much luck? the owner of that business, they named it COVID, which had no meaning prior, right? (laughs) Zero meaning at all prior. Right. And God literally just came down and handed, it was like, 
it was like one of those crazy movies where like yeah. literally a guy comes and offers you, you know, everything right. you've ever wanted and you right. just are too zoned out in your own life to even know what to do with it. <clears throat> but think about this. Okay. They have a website and they're an electronics, I don't know, box. They make boxes, cables, whatever. I don't know. I don't care. Okay. But these guys are technical weenies. They're not thinking marketing. They don't think marketing and they're not going to think marketing. They're going to think, how do I get X amount of impedance out of this cable that's better, one millionth of, a, of an ohm better than what the, my competitor's cable is getting? They're not thinking marketing. You have to think marketing all the time if you're an entrepreneur. It's three things. Just like in real estate, it's location, location, location. In in the world of being an entrepreneur and your business, whether you're starting it or you're taking it to the next level or where you've caught fire and everybody in the world has heard about you, it's marketing, marketing, marketing. Because <laughs> if you don't have marketing right, you don't have customers. You're not going to sell anything. You're not going to make any money. You might have 10 million people an hour visiting your website and crashing it, but if you're not taking advantage of that from a marketing point of view, you are have nothing but a problem. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? If you can't take advantage of this, what are you going to do when times get leaner? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I've are never you seen do? anybody so like walking in. It's like Kramer from Seinfeld. They're just... <laughs> Back, falling butt backwards into money all the time <laughs> and you don't know what to do with it what do you do what do you do yeah. with it <laughs> it's like it reminds me of this guy my first job out of college and he was uh his dad was like a senior vice president of this like um what convenience store chain right out on the east coast right and we had this fine can like this coffee can and it was a fine jar. So like certain words, you, were, you weren't allowed to curse, but there were also words that we just never, you know, it was never deal. It was contract. There were always words that okay. if you said one word, it was a fine. I got that. And this guy put so much money in there because he just didn't care, right? He put so much money in this can that within yeah. a couple of months, this was the, remember this is the job I told you I, I managed, I didn't sell anything, but I stayed there for three months. Mm -hmm. In a matter of a month and a half, this guy dropped so much money in, in there. I mean, he had, first of all, he had a maid making his lunch every day. Think about that. That's, that's a maid, a maid. This guy was like, it was like, she made the dad, lunch. She made, she made the, the lunch, lunch for him. He put, he dropped so much money and didn't care about it at all. <laughs> didn't care about the money or anything. It was just a self-entitled spoiled jerk. He put so much money in there that we went to the most expensive restaurant in the area with 15 people, mm -hmm. bought drinks, appetizers, dinner, dessert, and put in a 30% tip and still had nice. money left over because nice. this guy just didn't care about money. Mm. He didn't care about this job. I think his dad basically just said, you're not in the will if you don't have a job type of a thing. I see. Donald so, Trump. Well, but at least he worked hard, right? But imagine like there's like there's thing and he drank himself to death that's uh, i've met people like that i've met a lot of i've met entrepreneurs and business owners like that they're cut from a certain kind of cloth you know and and it's almost like they're their own worst enemy 
they have this energy. They have this charisma sometimes. They have this enthusiasm. They're, they're out there hustling. They're hustlers. They're hustling. And they're making things happen. In other words, it's like they have a loaded gun, okay? And their aim is getting better and better, but they're aiming at their foot. Right. Which so is a prop- they end up shooting themselves in the foot and, getting, and going lame and God knows what else. And they're loose cannons, you know? Uh, but very often, salespeople are like that. Some salespeople are like that. They're just maniacs, but they, they make sales. But is it scalable and is it sustainable? Many businesses are reasonably successful for some reason. Timing, the guy's just smart as a whip, whatever. They've got some resources. Maybe their dad is rich. I don't know. They've got resources. They get things going. And then they reach a point where, and this happens a lot, they're good entrepreneurs, but they're terrible managers, and they don't want to put a manager in place. Or if they put a manager, executive type person in place, who is not an entrepreneur, by the way, just like a salesman person doesn't make a good salesperson makes a terrible sales manager. Okay, same thing. They put the they put they don't put somebody in place, so they try to do the job and they do terrible at it. So their business just goes off the rails. They're a victim of their own success, or they put. They, they do the interviews. They got a good guy in there. He's the manager type, wife, kids, wants a nine to five job, willing to work hard, hoping he can retire in 20 years, whatever. Puts him in charge and then micromanages everything he does and makes the guy miserable until he leaves. Again, right. business off into the ditch, into the ditch, right? This happens a lot with entrepreneurs. I tell entrepreneurs, not because I have an MBA, not because I ran an I, my own IT business for 20 plus years, but I tell them, look, the skills you need as an entrepreneur are not necessarily the skills and talents you need to manage your business when it gets to a certain point. Right. And they usually say, they usually say, if you have 20 employees or less, your business runs a certain way. So. And as soon as you get over that magic number of 20 employees, all of a sudden your business is different. You got to have a human resource department. You got to look at all this. You got to be really aware of legal stuff and diversity and, and, uh, and, and your, your social context and how people think of you as part of the community. You're not just some cowboy out on the range, you know, rustling cattle. You've got a herd now. You've got a business. You've got a ranch. You've got people that depend on you. You've got a budget. You've got banking people that want to talk to you all the time. You've got tax people. It's a different ball game. And you've got to keep that in mind. So you work so hard as an entrepreneur. Again, our audience is entrepreneurs or they want to be entrepreneurs or they have a small business. They want to take it to the next level. We're not talking to Elon Musk types here. Okay. Right. So what you want to be very careful with problem solving and execution, like you said, is that you don't build your business to a certain point just to run it into the ditch because you don't know how to manage or you don't know how to deal with the business at that next level. And that's why you have to bring in experts like us to help you. 
We're not going to run your business for you and we're not going to set up your business for you and we're not going to tell you what business to be in. But we have experience. Yeah, we I can remember tell you what, I, what level you're on. We can tell you what reality is. I remember when I, when I worked for that startup, um, one of the things that was interesting early on, it was a startup and it was this totally rough and, you know, move fast, break things. Um, sure. weren't a whole lot of rules. It was just, sure. you know, we just need to get up to a critical mass and get to a certain speed as quickly as possible. Right. And it was interesting. One of the things we started noticing as the company grew and, um, you know, it grew in size and grew in scale. All of a sudden there's a greater need for human resources and other things that weren't there before. I was able to figure out ahead of time, I could see some of these things happening behind the scenes, right? Yes. I could forecast them out. And I remember when they, when I had my first interview to be a manager, which I really, I honestly didn't even want the manager job. I just, I was basically told if you don't apply for a manager, they're just going to write you off. Like you're just never going to have an opportunity. So I was like, I'll go to the interview just to preserve my choice, my options down the line. And we had this conversation on this exact point, the guy interviewing me and he was talking about, and I said, yeah, we, I said, we're different. Like when we first started out, we were, we were breaking a lot of things and we still break things for sure. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I, you know, you have to be able to predict what's going to happen and be ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people that break things, but then some of the people that used to break things, they're starting to behave a little bit differently. Right. And because, you know, you have to be able to have that, that behavior or that skill set or that set of actions that are going to work for you in that manager role. Right. And so I, I was able to get ahead of the curve. I ended up getting the job. I wasn't in, uh, to be honest, I wasn't even entirely sold on taking the job, but I'm like, I don't want to turn it down. I just met with, I just literally had a, uh, an interview with the CEO. Yeah. If I turned down the job. That's not going to look good. So <laughs> but as, as the company started growing more and more, it was like, you could tell there was this undercurrent of like, you need to care for the business, protect the mm-hmm. business, not do anything stupid or reckless. Okay. And as the company started growing even more and we ended up going public, um, you know, it, you know, part of it was how you dressed, you know, mm. looking at how you dressed, where you spent your time, who you hung out with. And I remember mm. even little things like we were, I was meeting with a guy who would eventually be my boss. He was one of the executives and he called a, a few of us into his office and he goes, come here for a sec. And he walked us over to the window and like pointed down and he goes, do you see that? And he was pointing down at the smoking area outside the building. Yeah. And there was like four or five people just sitting around smoking or whatever. And he goes, he goes, I am so pissed. Mm. And he's like, I can't believe it. We're sitting here busting our butt. You know, these weren't the exact words, but we're busting our butt. (laughs) We're moving a hundred miles an hour. We're, you know, we're doing everything possible at all times of day to get this thing ramped up. And these guys are out here. They're, they're not just out here now. They're out here like every hour. And he goes, it drives me. And he was personally offended. Like we're sitting here busting our tail all day. And these people are just taking smoke breaks all day. And he goes, he said to this, he goes, you want to know something I know about all these people? And we go, what? He goes, they will never be promoted. Because as the company was growing and there were opportunities for people to grow and move up in the company. And sure. These people were just more concerned with their smoke break. Yeah. And it was like, there was a, there were totally signs, very subtle signs within the company of like, you need to be very cognizant on how you use your time and, and work ethic and drive 
were two of the big values in the company at the time. Okay. And if you're going to be sitting <laughs> here, you know, and the, and the executives would walk around and he go, and they, they told me a few times, they're like, there's some people that we see walking around more. And there's some people that the only time we ever see them is when we walk by their cubicle. <laughs> and, and they made that, and he goes, don't think that we don't notice that. Yeah. And so as the company grows, it's like, yeah, the people under 20, like you said, you can move fast and break things and nobody cares. But as that business starts to scale, if you're the business owner, you have to pay attention to those people who are going to move into those roles. Right. You know, pay attention. Are people dressing differently? Like I, 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 I remember my badge. I, I wore shorts and I had a Hawaiian shirt. Like, nice. And I remember being, if you work you know, for Jimmy Buffett, that's nice. I remember being a senior manager in the company and my name badge still had me in this Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love Hawaiian shirt. I was going to no, wear one today, right. but I decided to go but, conservative. You know what I'm saying? But when you start to, he goes, when you start to dress for the job that you want and advertise your and brand yourself, it changes. And so I stopped yes. wearing Hawaiian shirts. I, I started wearing, you know, I, I wore yes. jeans, but I wore nice shoes and a blazer sure. and sure. and all that stuff. And so it changes things. But once you go over 20, as you know, as a business owner, you have to yeah. say, where do you see, and you know, kind of like the e-myth thing, where do you see yourself in a year? And yes. you have to start acting like that right now. So you may be the one guy who's doing the videography. You're the idea guy. You're the hustle, 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 work 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week guy. Mm. But in there, what are you doing to forecast your skill set that you're going to need in the future that you won't have now? And so yeah. we had, a, you know, we used to have a guy, our CEO used to hang out with us and drink beer with us and play basketball with us. And then we started to know as the notice as the business got bigger, he started not being as visible. Mm -hmm. And some people looked at it and said, Oh, Andrew's in his ivory tower, mm -hmm. which is really stupid. And I think the smart people were like, no, Andrew is working as an executive more. Right. And he's, he's the one <laughs> setting the tone for everybody. Yes. And so people that picked up on it worked really well, but you have to be able to forecast you know, where your business is going to be need because the bigger you, this is part of it from a legal standpoint is the bigger the business gets, the more of a target is for lawsuits. So, the, you know, as mm. you grow, you're going to have a disgruntled employee and it's always the one that you never thought was going to do it. Yeah. It's going to cause you headaches. Absolutely. And, um, so anyway, so being an entrepreneur, you have to understand yes. it's like, it's, it's, it's one thing going from the dream, but another thing is you're going to have to manage an organization. Oh, yes. And if you're successful, if you're successful, <laughs> if you're not successful, well, you don't have to worry about that, right? No, no. But if you're successful. You'll never have more than 20 employees. You'll never have more than 20. You might not even get more than two, right? <laughs> that so, is but, true, too. But the, but the if you're going to be successful, then you have to understand, to, par, to put it, you know, kind of indelicately, you're going to have to, you're going to be a suit one day. Yes. And if you're not prepared, now, it doesn't mean you have to wear a suit. I mean, you look at Zuckerberg, he wears the same gap t-shirt every day right Does i he? mean you probably look at his wardrobe and it's probably like 300 of the same shirt but in just different color variations did he wear a t-shirt when he went before congress recently or did he no it? he actually wore a suit it was probably his there only suit see it's probably it's it's his funeral and wedding <laughs> suit right so, i mean it's california here so it's like that's the only yeah, time you ever wear um palo alto baby but you have to be able to predict kind of what you want it to look like. And even for mm -hmm. him, you know, you bring him up, it's a good thing. You know, I don't have a whole lot of good things to say about him in some respects, but 
you look at him and he said, okay, we're going to set a tone of the culture. And even now, whenever he gives a com an all company, all hands on deck address, he wears the same crappy tennis shoes, uh, jeans, and he wears the same little gap yeah. t-shirt, right? Yeah. And then, you know, maybe if it's cool out, he has his crappy little hoodie mm -hmm. and his little, uh, his little, Augustus, his Roman Augustus hair haircut do you know about his haircut gotta love the haircut gotta love you know, it do you know where he got it from rome he wants to be caesar no he wants to be caesar sort of but he's a big fan of the roman caesar augustus he's the guy in all those all the statues more like disgustus if you look at him early on in some of the old pictures he has curly hair yes he does he's got the curly hair right. Harvard curly hair and then he read a, a biography on Augustus and he said that was a guy who he wanted to be. So he literally created the same haircut. There you go. But he, you made go. A, NLP, he made a decision. NLP. But, he made, but he made a decision. <laughs> he says, I don't want to be a guy who's wearing a suit because it's not germane to who he is. But you know what he did? He hired people who did. He hired Sheryl Sandberg. You know, Lean and she's the, she, but she's the ultimate corporate person, right? She is. She's not going to show up. She's not going to show up in a sundress at work. Like she is legit halter corporate. Top. Halter top. No halter tops, nothing, right? <laughs> but she's the one that's going to show up and it's corporate, corporate, corporate. Oh, yes. And so he can be who he's going to be and he lets her run that side of it. So right. he can, he doesn't necessarily have to be the suit because he was able to hire a Sheryl Sandberg. Right. Right. But, some, but your company will require that at some point, you know, and that's kind of the, his firewall for the company. He can be himself yes. inside of a firewall. With 51%, you can be yourself. Right. But if he had his COO or his head 49. of human resources, if he had his COO or the head of human resources that was, um, that was just like him, it wouldn't work. Yes. Like, so the same startup company we had, we had this thing called College Student Friday. It was a university. <laughs> And every Friday we'd get off at three o'clock and everybody in the company would have pizza and beer. And so they would have mm -hmm. kegs, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it started to get a point where we we're growing so fast that we had so many people drinking beer that they started to realize, uh-oh, this might be a problem. Yes. And so then they started doing wristbands and mm -hmm. clipping the wristbands and limiting Different game, different ball game. Yeah, and then event, you know, I kind of, I kind, I was looking at that, thinking, okay, well, this whole beer mm -hmm. on campus thing isn't really going to work that long. It's, you know, enjoy it while you have it because it's not going to be there for a while. And sure enough, yeah. like two months later, we didn't have it anymore. Exactly. I went to and, San Diego State. You practically drank beer while you were in the classroom. Right. It was well, almost we, required, we, we, and then it got left, canceled. We left work at three o'clock and everybody, the executives and everybody were drinking beer. Oh yeah. And it was like, when they stopped it, the people for the company were, I, I bet a bunch of people were like, oh, this sucks. We don't have it anymore. But it's like the smart people were thinking, I can't believe we still do it. Exactly. And so as an entrepreneur, like really what you have to do is your job is you're the babysitter. Your, your whole job is caring for the growth and and success of your business. It's not yes. about your dream. It's not about money. It's not about any of that. You're well, now it kind of is. It kind it's of sort is about it's your sort dream of is. and money. But... but it is. But that those are kind of ethereal. But it's yeah. at a point in time where you have a fiduciary responsibility to care oh, for yeah. your business. Yes. And even if it goes against some of the things that you have maybe did earlier, 
your fiduciary responsibility is to that business. Otherwise, you're going to have what happened to Travis Kalanick, the guy at eBay. Oh. He said, I, I'm going I'm to do things I ne I'm never going to change. He was having like completely sexually inappropriate relationships with people. And, and worse, got, his employees were. People in charge. Right. It was wearing suits and everything. It, it was like the Wolf of Wall Street. Kind oh, of, right. It was crazy. And it was at a point where finally the board ran him out. And they, they had hired, to leave. He literally they, had to and, leave his own company. And they hired the exact opposite of him. It was Dara, whatever it is. The guy, I forget where he worked, but he was a total corporate guy, a total buttoned up corporate guy. Well, that's what they needed. And then they bring in, who was it? Uh, uh, the the Huffington, whoever the, the, Huff, the Huff Post girl was it, Leanna, I forget what her name is, the Huffington. But anyway, they brought in people who were like the adults in the room. Right. And so this guy lost his startup mm -hmm. because he, he, did, he wasn't able to see what was going to happen. Well, he didn't really lose his startup. He, lo he, he couldn't be Captain Morgan. Right. Well, but, but on that the ship. company. He, he had to company, get off the ship. True. Well, he got and, driven and manage off the it, shift. Manage it from the dock. Right. You don't well, think his... you don't think he wasn't he wasn't running that ship. He was running it that he was still running the ship, but he was running it from the dock warehouse. He couldn't fair be enough. on the ship. Well, fair enough. But it's it's one of these things where it's he uh, that company needed as it got bigger. It was going to be a target for lawsuits, for acquisitions, oh. and for a lot of negative press. Oh, hey, look, once the honeymoon's over and you're Uber <laughs> and everything's great, people are yeah. going to start taking pot shots at you. Right. And they were running, you know, they ran this thing called, it was called like the Gray Project, where they would literally have a platform where they ran where it would, where it would anonymize all the data. So mm -hmm. if they ever got served a subpoena on, on their location data, their drivers, it would literally right. be erased immediately. Right, right. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of scary, but yeah. I know, but it was like, this is the kid in the room was like, I'm just going to give the middle finger to everybody because I yeah. can. Well, 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 look, look, um, when you've got hedge funds and, and uh, Goldman Sachs and whatever, investing hundreds of billions of dollars and you need hundreds of billions more, you can't run it like a kindergarten class. You know, you gotta right. you 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 gotta really pay attention to to what you need to be in order to get that because if you don't get that money, you're gonna die because you need that money to get to the same next level and you need that money to cash out and you need that money to go I do your IPO you know and you don't want to end up like uh, WeWork you know oh, going down in in flames right so. Here's what I tell entrepreneurs. Look, you got to be aware. Are you flying a Cessna? Are you flying an F-14 Tomcat? Or do you want to be the uh, corporate CEO of an airline? It's different, man. Yep. It's different skills. There are different skills. Unfortunately, when your company starts going and it starts going full blast, let's say it's really becoming successful, it's catching fire, it's going crazy. You gotta be prepared for that chaos and you can't just throw people in it to put out fires because you're gonna be putting out one fire, you're gonna be creating three more fires, okay? And that's what kills a business. Very often it dies before it gets to the 20 employee level because the, the, the entrepreneur is good at doing certain things and not doing others.
And you got to keep in mind too that if you're you see a business out there and they look super successful. I mean, they are literally transforming the industry. You better look at their balance sheet and income statement because they could be hemorrhaging money. They could be losing more money than you ever thought of. And their burn rate is so bad, so so incredible that they're like a rocket get launched and they got halfway to outer space and they ran out of fuel and they're going to plummet to earth and, and, and hit the ground hard, man. You know, so you have to keep that in mind. And one of the big things with entrepreneurs, they start a business and five years later, they're not in business. And what are the two main reasons? Bad management and lack of funds. Lack of, of, of investment money, lack of growth money to grow. So nobody runs, nobody starts a business and then gets it to a certain point and, and says, hey, we're just going to build this business to the next level, to the next level, to the next, next level based on our profitability, based on how much money we got coming in and how much we're going to have at the end of the month of the year. No. You need angel investors. You need Series A, Series B, Series C. Come on, man. You've got to think differently. You can't just be the guy in, 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 in the room, you know, Jack Ma. Just had the had his yeah, $40 billion IPO. And just before he's ready, the, I mean, the, the investors, the hedge funds, the trust funds, the money guys are literally lined up to buy this biggest IPO in history. And what happens? He gets called into the Chinese Politburo to have a talk. Right. And now the Chinese guys are saying, listen, here's how it works, man. In Chinese, of course. You're going to be the richest man in the world. You have the biggest IPO. Where's our taste? Where's our piece? We need more. You, can, you need to figure out, you need to go away and then come back and figure out how we're going to make more money on this, the Chinese government, okay? See, that, and that's, it's funny, because I was thinking, I didn't know that, right, what you just said, but my first thought was like, okay, here you, you, you have the words, you know, biggest IPO ever and communist government. I'm thinking, <laughs> you're going to understand that you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are going to want to cannibalize that and take a piece of it, right? I mean, like throwing do like meat out to a pack of hyenas. Yes. And well, there's there's rules. Well, and part of it, but you have to kind of understand that it's like and, oh, and sure. the, the guy that taught was the the guy that I you know watched the first video on, and he said you know you know if you ever hear the words wouldn't it be cool if you don't understand this guy was crushing it from a user standpoint. It was growing tremendously, yes. right? Yes. But his burn rate. That's what he was saying when I went through his entrepreneur program. He goes, yeah, my burn rate was killing me. Mm -hmm. And he goes, mm -hmm. the, and, and here's another thing that comes in. So then he finds out then he, he's not really good at spending money. And then he gets his tax bill at the end. of the Oh year. my God. Yeah. Wake up call. Well, he didn't hold, he didn't like set aside money for taxes. He just spent it. Right. And there's and now, all kinds. There's taxes you so don't think even about know it. about. Right. So think about this guy who's making tons of revenue coming in. I mean, millions and millions of dollars in revenue coming in. Right. Boom, 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 boom. Right. And then all of a sudden he gets his tax bill. And oh, he doesn't boy. have the money. 
Well, the ta- you look, the IRS is like the mafia, okay? You no pay, we break a your legs, you right. know? Well, they the don't ma- no, that's, no for an answer. That's the Chinese mafia. The mafia <laughs> where I grew up just puts a bullet in your mailbox. <laughs> they put a bullet somewhere, my friend. It right. may be your mailbox if you're lucky. But right. once you start tangling with those guys, you're going to find you out have to- what wasted time is called. Right. And, but, but it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's one thing to know, okay, my skill set is this. I have a good skill set in this, um, or I'm not sure. But then the other side, you also have to know what you suck at too. Yes. Right. And so and be honest with yourself about it. No. And it is yeah. and because at that point, that is your weakness for your business. Yes. You know, and, and it goes back to John MacArthur. That's what I got. Gosh, I couldn't remember this guy's name for the life of me last week. But John MacArthur, he wrote one of the books he has. I don't remember the name of it, but I have it on my bookshelf. And he right. talked about how you, you want to use your time. Mm. And he said, you want to spend 75% of your time and effort on things that you're naturally good and skilled at. Right? Okay. So if you're, if, you're a bas- if you're a basketball player and you're a good three-point shooter, you probably want to, you don't want to be posting up, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be shooting three-pointers. And he said, you want to spend 20% of the time on things that you're not sure about that you could improve on. Okay. Okay. So that's just areas that you just don't know much about. You never explored. It was basically Steve Jobs when, you know, he never was a manager and he, and he went back to Atari, right? right? And next and all that. But he said, that leaves 5%. He says, you only want to spend 5% of your time on things that you know you're not good at. So you do want to spend time to shore up your weakness, but you sure. don't really want to spend a sizable amount of that time on it because it's a zero-sum game. And whatever amount of time you spent, let's say you spend 20% of time on stuff that you know you suck at. Mm-hmm. You're either never going to find new skill sets, which is the 20% that you're not sure about, yes. or you're going to take 20% of that 75% out of the things you are good at, right. and you're not helping yourself. You're kneecapping yourself. Right. And so like you said, being brutally Mm -hmm. honest and saying, look, I suck at this. I need to know, I need to have somebody come in and be that person for me. Right. You know? And so the guy that was my mentor was like, he, you know, he realized at that point he needed to bring a money guy. And so guess what he did? He brought in a guy who who was a corporate finance VC guy. He was a numbers guy. Right. And he, he was basically the CFO for the company. He was a partner in the company, but he was kind of the CFO. And so that shored things up. But sure. if you're not honest and you just say, well, I'll get better at that. No, you have to have a heart to heart with yourself and just say, look, I suck at this. I don't yeah. like it. I don't want to spend any time on it. I have no natural proclivity for it. And it's just something I'm not good at. Right. Right. Then, so, so go with your strengths. Go with your strengths. But stay, but finding out a way that you have to, you have to overcome that. Like if you say, mm-hmm. okay, like I remember I took the SAT in high school and I got all, I almost got, I came close to getting an 800 on the math. I'm really good at math. Sure. But my, my verbal side, the, like the English and everything, I wasn't very good at. Mm. Well, it doesn't matter. Your total SAT score is a combination of the both, right? Yeah. So I understood that. So like if I'm starting a business and I'm really good at one thing, that's great. I'm really good at that. But what about the areas that I'm not good at? Or I have no intention of wanting to do anything like that. Right. Like the idea for social media for me, I know it's important to some degree, but I've, I had one guy that I was listening to. It was actually Brendan Burchard. And he's like, you need to be posting four to five times a day on your social media platforms. Like he does? 
Like, well, I'm sure he, I don't know if he does, you know, probably he someone does. do it for him. He does. But, but he said, when you're starting out, you want to do that. And so it's like, if you have right. Instagram and Pinterest or not, let's say Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, yeah. that's 12 posts per day. And I'm thinking, well, that's not the lifestyle that I really, I don't want to be sitting here. You have to automate that, my friend. Fair enough. But let's say that you put stuff in the can. That's 12 t- things a day. Let's say you put a week's worth in the can. You now have 84 yeah. posts per week. <laughs> like that's a lot of work. You've got to hire somebody in the Philippines to do it for you. Fair enough. Five but bucks let's an say, hour. But let's say you're starting out and you don't have that time exactly. to do that. Exactly. That, that, that made me really doubt. I'm like, well, before social media, nobody had to do that. So I don't really think the landscape changed where it's like now you have to do that. Mm-hmm. But you have to be interesting. You have to be mm-hmm. compelling. I suppose. You have to be trustworthy to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like we um, are. Like we are. <laughs> and no, but seriously, it's like, yeah. you know, people that are pretentious aren't trustworthy because right. people think they're hiding something. But when you're sitting here playing, I always say I love playing with people who play poker with the cards face up because there's no doubt about where they stand. Like I was even talking to my neighbor last night and I said to him, I was like, I love it. If, even if somebody calls, comes up to me and calls me an a-hole, I have no problem with it because mm-hmm. at least I know where they stand. It's the people mm-hmm. that are fake and nice to you that say it behind your back that are very guarded when they're with you. Those are the people you got to worry about. Right. But when right. you're starting well, a business, you have to know, you know, what you're good at. And like you said, what you're terrible at, acknowledge right. it hire somebody from the Philippines if you need to, whatever you Mm -hmm. need to do, Mm -hmm. you need to solve that weakness so that you're free to focus on the areas that you're really good at. Right. And so, so from an entrepreneur's point of view and from say someone in our audience's point of view, the first question that's going to come up in their head is, yeah, I'm not that good at accounting or finance or this or that. I know how to make pizzas or I know how to coach or whatever it is, but I don't have the money. I'm not making enough money to hire somebody to do that. That's the wrong question, okay? The question you have to ask is how do you get it done? Not who do I hire, but how do you get it done? How do you get it done will lead to somebody on Fiverr or somebody in the Philippines or somebody that lives next door to you or somebody from college, a college in your area or something is gonna help you. But the second question they ha- that's going to come up in their head as an entrepreneur trying to make, trying to execute, trying to solve problems, right, is, okay, I found somebody. Now I have to manage them. I don't have time to manage the person I, this, I'm paying five bucks an hour to do this for. And all I have to say is, hello and welcome to the world of being an entrepreneur. What hat do you want to wear this minute? Okay. And are you going to put in the 10 hours a day, seven days a week to make it happen? Because that's what it's going to take. And guess what? You are going to feel burned out. You are going to be frustrated. You are going to, there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth, as they say in the Bible. Okay. So just be prepared, man. Be prepared. That's what it's going to take. If you don't want to do that, if that doesn't make sense to you, if you're not happy doing that, Go work for IBM or go work for AT&T or go work for Verizon or somebody and sit in your cubicle with all the hundred other people that are in that work center, maybe working from home, whatever, 
sit in your cubicle or at your desk and do what your boss tells you to do and do the work of three people and collect your paycheck and quit complaining and belly aching because you're not willing to do what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I'm a little excited, <laughs> but, no, but I'm trying to make a point here. But it, it goes back to what you're saying. You could focus on the obstacle and say, well, I don't know how to do this. Or you could like say, I need to figure it out. Like if you, if you saw a fire starting <laughs> in your living room and you say, well, I don't have a fire extinguisher, right? I'm going to let it go. Oh, no, you better figure out a way to get that fire out. Yeah. And don't throw gasoline on it. Okay. Figure out right. a way to put it out the right way. Don't throw yeah. gasoline or cooking oil on it. Okay. Yeah. And don't pour Gatorade on you your crops. You better be smart. <laughs> Don't water your plants with Gatorade. This is not idiocracy, okay? <laughs> right, this is exactly. the real world. The real world. Right. And but the part of it is like this, it boils down to this. When you said, well, I don't have money to spend to hire somebody to do it. It's like, okay, well, that presents an assumption that you think that you can throw money at a problem. True. And you can be hands off and have the problem solved. Mm-hmm. But realistically, it's like, let's say, for example, that you just... Um, Let's say you're doing video editing, for example, a very time heavy thing, right? And you have to find the well, you have to find the right platform, you have to understand, you know, find the right graphics, know how to use it. I mean, it takes a lot of time to learn that. Oh, you mean as part of your business, you're you need to do video editing. Okay. So like when we do, like for example, on the video that I not COVID. Correct. Not co video editing. Not co video. But (laughs) but it's like I could sit here and say, well, I have a choice. I can just hire somebody and throw money to make this problem go away, at which point I'm solely dependent on the other person for any future work, uh, and it costs money to do that, or I need to figure it out myself. And so early on, that was what I did. I was like, I don't know anything about video editing. I'm starting from zero. And it's like, I need to figure out how to edit. I need to understand about lighting, about transitions, about sure. you know, whatever. And so it, it gets to a point where it's still a time intensive thing to do video editing, but I've got enough shortcuts and things set up that I have the tools that I need to get it done. Sure. Now, down the line, the question is, and this is where it goes down to, was, I think this is, I forget who told me this, and I'm sure you've heard this before. He says, the question is, is it, is it, does it take more time or does it cost more money? If, it, mm. if you have more time, then spend, then spend the time. If you have more money, then spend the money. Right. And so it's like if you have a company that's just <laughs> killing in cash flow, your time, the amount of time you have is never going to change. In fact, it's probably going to go down because you have more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So when you have less money than cat, when you have more money than you do time, you spend the money. Yeah. But if you're sitting here early on and you're saying, well, I don't have money to hire somebody. Well, then you have more time than you have money. Even though you may yeah. not have a lot of a time, you, have, you still have less money than you want to spend the time. And until, right. the, 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 until the tide turns where you have more money than time, you always right. want it. That's kind of the one that you want to pick. So early on, let's just be really honest for anybody watching this or listening to this. It's early on, you won't have money. <laughs> so you're going to have to figure this out. The second thing that you have to realize is let's say that you do hire somebody and you say, I'm going to hire this person to be a video editor, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you better under, first of all, you better know how to train them. And even if they're, if they fully know what to do, you better have a skill set well enough to know if they're doing a good job or not. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is hire somebody to go, I'm just going to offload this onto person A and then find out that they suck at their job. And now you're, And now your business is basically in the hands of somebody who sucks at their job, which is definitely a recipe for the business going out of business. 
Well, maybe so your you whole business to... doesn't depend on it, but a piece of it does. But, but, okay. but let's go back to the bookkeeper thing too. If right. you say, I'm just going to throw money at the bookkeeper and I'm going to give them all my sign-ons for my bank account and for my, you might as well just call yourself Billy Joel because they're going to start stealing money from you. You need to have that in place. And so- Well, like they my, might be mismanaging it. They may not be stealing it, but worse, they may be honest as the day is long, but they're mismanaging your money true. and you don't even know why or how true and so like they're in a lot of it like that's why it's like people set up like i know people that have a bookkeeper and then they have their seat they send all the bookkeeping not to the the person that owns the business mm -hmm. they send the bookkeeper sends the, the, the reports and everything to their cpa right and their cpa oversees the bookkeeper because they have a common right. skill set right and you know what here's the thing a cpa has a fiduciary obligation to you and if they do not meet the strict guidelines of a fiduciary obligation, they are out of business. They will lose their license. They will become a bookkeeper because they will not be a CPA anymore. So you know that when certain people have fiduciary and or legal obligations to do things and they will literally be out of business if they do not do them properly, you can trust a little bit more that they are not going to rip you off and cheat you. So if you put your money and your bank account and all your sign-ins in the hands of your cousin because he's a nice guy and he wants to help you, and then you find that you have no money and your business is, is totaled, uh, totally uh, uh, off, the, off the rails and shit-canned, that wouldn't have happened if you had hired a CPA right. because the CPA has a fiduciary obligation legally to tell you certain things and to do things a certain way. And Billy yep. Joel put in the hand, put all his money in the hands of his uncle because he was too busy out there singing. Was that his uncle? Of, it was his uncle, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it just goes to one of these things. A lot of people trust their relatives when they shouldn't be. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you basically have to figure out if you're, you have more time, spend the time. If you have more money, spend the money. But in the end, it's like you have to have some type of checks and balance to understand like if it's money, have somebody be able to make sure right. that you know what you're doing. When I had right. my real estate business, the first thing that I did, the first thing that I knew I had to do when I bought this property mm -hmm. was I had to look at all the vendor contracts. Mm. Yes. And I had to make sure, like I'm sure my property management company knows what they're doing, but I need to know enough about these contracts so that if, I don't, if I'm not hearing what I need to hear from them, I can call them out and basically let them know that I'm on the ball on this, which is gonna make them more accountable. But if it comes to, towards social media, let's say you hire a social media thing and they're just an alcoholic behind the scenes and they're just dropping <laughs> sexist, homophobic, racist rants on your page. Yes. Like you don't, you're not doing that, but some idiot's doing that. Right. It's like you I, have to I have. I can give you two examples that I, uh, real world examples, okay? One is more general, the other is specific. When I was in IT, when I was in computer service, I would hear all the time from people saying, oh, I need a website. I, I hired somebody to do my website and it turned out terrible and they didn't finish it and they charged me a ton of money and it didn't look right and it didn't work and I can't make changes to it and yada, yada, yada. Of course, nowadays people have a little bit more control over that because there's software that does it for them. But let's just say it's HTML. Let's just say it's complicated. And I would hear both sides of the story. One side was the client who said, oh, this person sucks and they went away and they, they charged me a bunch of money and I, I paid it and I didn't get what I wanted. Then I would talk to the technical person because typically I was a bridge between 
the suits and the technical people. So, you know, I wore the Hawaiian shirt and the Bermuda shorts when I was talking to the programmers and I wore the, the nice suit when I was talking to the people with the money. But my point is this, I would talk to the technical person and they would say, oh my God, that was the client from hell. They didn't know what they wanted. Then they changed it. Then they changed it again. Then they wanted it done instantaneously. Then they wanted it done for nothing. Finally, I just couldn't deal with them anymore. I just had to hang up and, and go away because they were driving me crazy. Another example. I know a guy, very sharp guy, who's a CPA, young guy, who wanted to get his CPA business going. He hired a social media expert to get the word out right social media the buzzword the hot thing everybody's got to know it it's the answer it's the solution to everything this guy charged him something like between over a period of year year and a half charges something like fifteen thousand dollars not a lot of money but a lot of money to us you know one single guy that wants his cpa business to get going right taxes auditing you know cpa stuff this guy spends $15,000 of my friend's money, and my friend gets nothing out of it. No calls, no clients, no anything. And at some point, he has to tell the guy, stop, because the guy's making claims and saying things about him that you're not supposed to say when you're a CPA. You could get your license yanked, right? You could be out of business and have to go back to being a bookkeeper. So, the entrepreneur, entrepreneur out there is thinking, well, I don't have a lot of money. I don't know much about whatever it is, video editing, social media, accounting, whatever it is. And I don't have much time either because I'm building this business, running this business, dealing with clients, trying to figure out why product widget ABC keeps dies after 10 minutes, you know. Wearing a lot of hats, but look. You know, you're, you, you, it's difficult to have balance in an unbalanced, chaotic world, okay? And that's the world of the entrepreneur. It's unbalanced, it's chaotic, you're making mistakes, you're failing forward. But the point is this, come on, man. If you're gonna hire a video editor, you gotta know what, you have a pretty clear idea of what you want the end product to be and what you want it to say and how you want it to look. You're not gonna go in there and splice shit together, but if you're gonna hire somebody, you better know a little bit about what you want to get out of it. And you need to understand a little bit of what the process is. You don't have to be a, an editor, you know, for tw a film editor for 20 years or video editor for 20 years, but you need to understand a little bit about the process so you can be realistic about it. The good news is you learn a little bit about a lot of things, and that's the fun of being an entrepreneur. The bad news is you can't learn enough. You'll never know everything you need to know about banking or bookkeeping or marketing or social media or video editing or sound production or anything else. You're never going to know enough about it. You know why that is, right? <laughs> I'm waiting no, for you to tell me, Matt. Well, no, because your standards go up. 
Well, that's part of it, sure. So it's like, you know, it's like if you're sitting here, if you're in high school, so you're a high school basketball player, it's like you're the best guy in the team, but it's like you're not that great in general. But then if you end up playing against an NBA team, they're just going to kill you because your standards go up and your skill set goes up. Yeah. And so what I expect when I first start a business and I'm first starting videography or whatever, whatever area that I'm working on, I'm just happy to be competent just to have my head above water, right? Right. But then when, you know, if you become really, really good at it and you have more tools at your disposal and become more, you know, adapt, adept at what you're doing, you're not going to, you know, the standard that you had when you first started was crappy compared to where sure. you're at now. You're going to always sure. want to do better when you're at. And so it is, it's, it's not a, it's not a binary choice. I'm good. I'm successful or I'm not. Right. It's a, it's, it's a movement toward everything. It's like, if you look at, you know, how does Mark Zuckerberg view how Facebook's doing now, it's different than when it was in his dorm room. You'd think so. Hopefully. Yes. Although they're probably doing the same things. So. <laughs> you mean ripping off other people's code? Oh, it's completely ripping off people's code, getting sued for it. Some things never change. Right. You want the same that, problems you had when you, you began, you had when you're you, worth $800 billion. If you watch that movie right now, Mm-hmm. Every single, network. yeah, every single thing that they talk about in that movie is happening right now. Except it's for like, testifying before Congress, I don't think that was. No, happening. he did. He did. Oh, okay. He in appeared the before the admin. Right. He remember he uh, oh. testified before the admin board. <laughs> so he thing. did. He did everything. Oh, listen, Matt. The only thing that's changed is the hairstyle. Everything that, okay, else is the same is, on a different that, level. That literally is true. But the whole point is it's prescient. All the concerns about it. He, they, there was a line in that movie where he said, the great thing about this versus face mash is that we're not providing anything. They're putting all, they're giving us all their data. They say sure. that in the movie and it's like, wow, that wasn't prescient at all. Cambridge analytic. Right. But anyway, the point, the point that you made, I think very well is that like, you know, okay, listen, you know, it's not a, it's not of success or not, or making money or not necessarily, but you have to understand that it's a growth thing. It is. And your, your responsibility is to under, well, first of all, to understand that it's always, you're always going to have ebbs and flows, right? Um, But your, your, your responsibility is to learn to get better. It's like, if you want to be a track star, let's say you're completely out of shape. Your job is to, you know, to get more endurance, to lose more weight, to build mm-hmm. more muscle, to get mm-hmm. faster. I read this article like this morning, Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seahawks, spends a million dollars every year caring for his body. Hmm. And so as an, you know, as a, you'd say, oh, the guy's an NFL player. He's really talented. You know, must be nice type of a thing. Well, it's like, no, this guy, they spend all their time trying to get better, trying to find shortcuts. Some people do sure. it illegally with steroids and other things. Mm. You look at Lance Armstrong, won seven Tour de France titles, and they were all like, he cheated on all of them. But they got to a point where they're sitting in their hotel room after a ride, swapping out their blood with amped up red blood cells so sure. that they could be like, you know, and everybody's doing it. So it's like you sure. win you're winning a sport's biggest title seven years in a row and everybody in that sport cheats. Everybody. Everybody. So it just goes to show you like their responsibility is to get better than their competition. And the thing is the bigger you get, your competition changes. Like let's say that you started a business right now 
your competition is really just, let's say you start, you know, open a pizza place. Your competition is the pizza place nearest to you. Or Domino's. Or, or like the jer- or, I, I saw or, this or commercial. John's, or yeah, I saw this commercial for the guy who Caesars. started Jersey. The guy that started Jersey Mike's, and he said that he worked mm. for Jersey Mike's, and he bought his. I'm sure he borrowed money, but he borrowed. He basically bought his oh, first yeah. like Jersey Mike's, but it wasn't Jersey Mike's. It was just the sub shop in Jersey, mm. and mm. he basically got to a point where they franchised it. And now it's everywhere. Initially, right. his his competitor was probably, I don't know, maybe the one. Subway, subway down the street one but now right but in the neighborhood right but like right. now his competition isn't just subway hmm. it's pizza hut it's mcdonald's so like yes. for example when my wife goes to the beach she always hits jersey mike's gets food picks it up and you know and has it there but the competition for jersey mike's for her isn't subway at all because my wife won't eat subway hmm. the competition is in and out or Wendy's or just some place or like um what is it the um the like uh the kebab shop or something like that sure something with sure. you're not competing against a food type you're competing against somebody with portable easy to carry food right and so when you're starting a business now you know who your competition is yourself your competition is 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 trying to get better than you were last week it's like playing golf you're playing against yourself <laughs> Now, down the line, when you start to see people, you know, vying for market share, Mm -hmm. that's when your competition is somebody else. But early on, your competition is who you were last week. Are you better at understanding your market? Are you better at developing a marketing message? Are you better at videography? Are you better at communicating what you want to communicate? Are you shedding the things that you don't need to do? Um, You know, it's like... It's like losing weight. You could sit here and work out 10 hours a, day, a week, but if you're eating junk food, it doesn't matter. And right. then again, you could starve yourself, but not work out and it won't matter. You kind of have to do both and you're working toward getting better at what you're doing. It's just like you said, problem solving and execution. You can't have one without the other. You can solve all the problems in your head, but if you can't execute on that, Forget about it. You can yeah. execute till the cows come home. But if you haven't solved problems, then what are you executing? You're executing yourself. Yeah. And well, and you're going to execute your business for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, they asked John McKay, who was the old, um, he was the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 1976. And they went like one in 15. Mm. And he said, um, <laughs> they asked, one of the reporters asked him, he goes, what do you think about your team's execution? And he said, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> good answer i yeah. would say good answer yeah. right it's like the game show good answer but it's like playing golf for those that are starting it's like playing golf look you're not nobody's touching your ball you know your job is to hit Hopefully. the ball farther <laughs> right no but to do it in, in fewer strokes every time and yes. the interesting thing is that you know you have a scorecard and so you can judge yourself historically whether you're getting better over time right and as a business owner, you could look at the bottom line and you're selling more money. But part of it is you look and say, well, how am I using my time? Like initially, let's say I shot a 30-minute video and it would take me, let's say, 15 hours to edit it. I don't know yes. what it was. But now I can get it down to if it's a 30-minute video, I can probably get it edited in 45 minutes. Okay. Because I know what I'm looking for. Right. I know how to mark things on the video so right. that I know what to look for. Like, for example, there was a video that we did earlier and, and you got a phone call that came in. I had to edit that part out 
So one of the things that I did is I put, I had an account, I had a a stopwatch on my phone. Right. And then as soon as the phone rang, I literally went into my notepad, wrote the time down. And then when I went into the video, I skipped past everything, went to that point, excised it out. Yeah. I wouldn't known that earlier. True. And, and you know, you have another choice too. You could have left it in. You could have left it in. You know, uh, so that's the decision the entrepreneur needs to make. You leave it it in or you cut it out. And it might be a blooper outtake trailer. <laughs> I told those, it was somebody delivering, let, let's talk about that for a second. Somebody was delivering a package to my door. I knew it was going to be delivered within a two hour time period, okay? I told them last time, don't call me to let me know it's here. It's fine, just leave it on the porch. And he calls me, again, reach me, so he calls me again. I put a sign on my door this time because I get this package delivered on Tuesdays. And the sign says, hey, just leave it here. Don't call me. Right? So here's the thing. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be dealing with a lot of problems and execution. Execution is extremely important. Solving problems is extremely important. But keep in mind, as your business grows and develops, whatever you call it, Okay, whatever it is, those problems will change. When you get to a certain level, you're going to deal with a different set of problems. You're going to have to execute on a different level in a different way to get different results. Okay, and this is where a lot of entrepreneurs fail and not fail forward, they fail backwards because they don't realize that the the solutions that they that they came up with and the execution that they did correctly the way the business was doesn't apply to the way the business is now and that is not going to apply to way the, to to the, where the business is going to be 6 months from now or a year from now okay different set of problems different ways to execute and they have to keep in mind that when they make a, a mistake and it's them and their buddy working out of the dorm room, okay, the results of that mistake are going to be a lot different than if they're a $100 million company or a $10 million company or they've got 20 employees or 200 employees or 2 million employees. But I can guarantee you that if they make a major mistake on that level, it's going to create problems for them that is going to be a shitstorm that could almost kill their business okay it's like that what do they say you know if you start off with two degrees of separation and as you continue to go down that path it's farther and farther away well it's kind of like that only vertical okay if you make a mistake and you're a your 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 company is two or three employees get over it and move on if you make that same mistake later when it's a hundred employees guess what there's going to be a lot of stuff to deal with. Keep that in mind. Everything is amplified. Okay. Yep, yep. Now, the good news is that all the opportunities are also amplified. So if you get it right, the reward is great. Okay. But if you get it wrong, you're not just going to get slapped on the hand. Okay. You got a major problem you got to deal with. Yeah. And that's why like when I did, when I was in my law classes in college, they talked about as the deep pocket theory. It's like attorneys never sued people that didn't have any money. They'd sue you if you had money and then figure out, you know, their justification later on. 
Yeah. That's to sue you to sue you. Mm-hmm. But that's the cool thing about starting out is you really don't have anybody. You don't have to worry about that part of it. But as Not you start, much. no, and so you can take more risks. Like that's yeah. why I think even like that was the old quote from Mark Zuckerberg as we move fast and break things. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You can have, you can, you know, pay for your employees keg party every <laughs> once a month, you know, but like as things get bigger, you might want to reconsider whether that's the smartest idea. There's not exactly. as much upside as there is for the downside that you see there. Right. Um, so take advantage of that. I mean, take risks, do crazy stuff. Like one of the things that I'm contemplating doing is, you know, for my, like every, and maybe, you know, I was thinking about it in that kind of context is like every week when I do like a live call or like once a week or once a month I do a live call, I'll probably have like beer and beer and zoom or whatever it is. And so we'll just pick a a different drink every month. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll talk about it. Well, it's almost like a happy hour for what you're doing. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I can afford to do it because I'm a one person show, but if all of a sudden I'm a, a, you know, a $4 billion business, then maybe it's not the best thing or it doesn't fit in your branding, but you get to do a lot of beer. If you're it a four is. billion dollar business, but what I'm saying is, like, if you have all your staff, you know, like for yeah. example, I have a friend of mine that used. To, I, I I haven't talked to her in forever, but she worked at Blizzard Entertainment. And they're the ones that mm-hmm. made. Is it not? It's not Fortnite, but they're what do they make? I forget. One. Of, it's like uh, the big, World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Yeah, I know the I know the guy who is in charge of the entire Latin America operations for that company, Blizzard. Okay. And by the way, that Latin America is a world of Warcraft. So <laughs> <laughs> easy job, right? Easy job. <laughs> um, but anyway, they had a, they have things where it's, it's every Friday they do mimosas. Mm. And if you ask them about it, but every Friday they do mimosas and they bring in a bunch of champagne and everything. It's like, wow, they're responsible and it's early now, in the morning. Now, nowadays not like, they don't. Not like keg well maybe they stopped doing it but like i'm like, thinking they did right but they did mimosa, it's hard to drink did, mimosa through a mask oh well yeah fair enough but i'm just okay. saying when I, when I this was like 10 years ago oh, and they would, okay. every friday sure. morning they would do mimosa fridays sure sure and so but the idea is you can do stuff like that make it fun do things differently make mistakes you know do you right. know do the craziest things do whatever right. you want to do that fits you right but understand later as things go on you know, your job isn't just, okay, my job's, I get to do the cool thing and have fun thing. Your number yeah. one job is to be a caretaker of the business. And it really is when you start, but the business is on life support. Like you have to break out the different, think about it this way. Your job is to caretake the business. Well, the business isn't breathing when you start it. So you have to bust out the defibrillator paddles. Or maybe you could look at it as a baby. It's a baby. You're well, taking care of a baby. But a, but a dead baby. So you still need the baby defibrillator I don't know paddles. if it's a dead baby. I don't know if we need no, to go there, Matt. But what I'm saying let's is... Let's just say it's a baby. Let, I'm going to be a little grotesque on this. So let's say it's a dead baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, if you breathing. want it to be your a company, dead baby, Matt, it's no, a dead baby. No, but your, company, your company's not making money, right, right. when you first start right. out. And so it's not breathing on its own. I understand. Yeah, yeah. You're so keep, you you're, you're, you're on, it's on life support, literally. It's on life support. Hold on one second. You don't, you don't have to I bark gotta, at me. You don't have gotta, to bark at me, Matt. No, I got the dog. Hold on one second. <laughs> Leave it in. Don't even cut this out. Don't even cut right, it out. Cool. I won't. You, I won't. I, it, it makes you more relatable. All right. Come here, doggy. Get over here. Come on. <laughs>
Lay Besides, down we've right been now. doing this for almost two and a half Lay hours. Lay down. All right. Uh, um, but anyway, last thing, and then we'll, we'll kind of, I'll, I'll have my thing and you'll, and I'll let you close out. Sure, but sure. The, the, dead ba- the dead baby. People are going to be like, I can't believe I waited two and a half hours to talk about a dead baby. <laughs> but it's not breathing on its own. So you need yeah. to do whatever you can. So early right. on, that means you break the defibrillators out, which means you have to do something to right. gain critical mass for your business. You have to exactly. do something totally airspeed. Air remember speed. the remember the guy that did LifeLock. He did the mm-hmm. same thing. He drove around Manhattan with a big <sighs> billboard truck and he says, "This is my social security number." Right. "Come get me. I have LifeLock. You're not going to get me." Right. Well, the problem is 21 hackers got in and actually hacked his credit <laughs> report, right? So, or whatever. Nothing but the changes. whole point is he Nothing knew changes. That Fair enough. But he knew that if he was going to launch this company, he had to do something very different. He had to get everybody's attention because guess right. what? Credit monitoring, first of all, is not a sexy area. And two, no, nobody pays for that. And three, yeah. nobody knows who you are. So he right. literally rented a truck with it on the side of it, said, this is my real social security number. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I'm not worried because I have LifeLock or whatever. And then right. he got a lot of media buzz because he had to do that. Right. And then look at later on and they retracted some of the legal stuff and they changed some of the verbiage they use. And then they ended up getting bought out by Norton. Right. So early on, you have to be willing to do that and say to yourself, I'm going to do something. Just I have to do something to gain attention. I have to do right. something to gain traction. And if I don't, the baby's dead because it's not breathing. Now, once mm-hmm. the baby gets breath and starts breathing on its own, in other words, you have revenue coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, you don't. Now you don't do. Yeah. You don't do electric shock therapy on the baby. That would probably be really not. messed up. Probably not. Yes. And now it's like, all right, what can I do to nurture the baby and to yes. you know, do everything that's necessary yes. there? But early on, it's like you can't be afraid to do stuff. Like there's like I remember when I met with my business coach and we were talking about the whole like the idea of the pickup and the sales, and he goes. He goes, well, keep in mind one thing. He goes, he goes, you're really gonna, you're really cutting your market in half. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're really only mm-hmm. gonna cater to men, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't really know that you're gonna get a whole lot of female clients. I go, right. yeah, but the male clients are gonna love it. He goes, well, that's true. Yeah. And I knew that it's like I have to do something. Yeah. Part of it, it was, it was germane to who I am and what I was saying. It was just mm-hmm. the truth of the message. But two, it's like man, if I don't get this business up, it really doesn't matter what I do. Right. And so you have to do something to make that impression, to gain that critical mass so that you can, and then you can pivot if you want. Right. So right. that's kind of my two cents. My last thing right. for those people that are listening to this, what do you, how would you close out to the people that are watching or listening to this? Um, well, first off, let me, let me tell you uh, right now, uh, being an entrepreneur can be fun. It can be entertaining, it can be rewarding, it can be a lot of things, but it ain't going to be easy. And we've talked about a lot during this episode, but there's still a lot more to be talked about. And I, and having a business and getting a business business going is kind of like getting a plane off the ground. You're going to start in the hangar, you're going to taxi out to the the, um, tarmac, and you're going to run you're going to sit there on the tarmac going around a little bit for a while with the engines running and then you're going to take off and you're going to be burning a lot of fuel to get to the jet stream whether it's a Cessna or whether it's a 747 it's still the same principle 
you're going to be burning a lot of fuel, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources, whatever to get to that. But when you get to a certain point, you've got that going for you. And then you let your momentum take you and don't make stupid mistakes. Okay. Don't crash into the side of a mountain. Okay. And all I'm saying is that's what we're here for. We're going to tell you what hangar to park it in. We're going to tell you how long you should be taxiing on the tarmac. We're going to tell you which runway to take, how to, what speed you need to take, how you're going to hit the, the, the Gulf Stream, and then we're going to help you make sure you don't crash into the mountain, okay? That's what we're here for. That's the metaphor. We have a lot to talk about. We have a, there's a lot of challenges that we're going to help you with, and that's what this podcast is all about. So come back and see us again. We're going to be working on specific challenges. We're going to be talking to entrepreneurs out there and getting feedback from them on what their challenges are and how we can help them. And then we're going to help them and they're going to put together solutions and they're going to be more successful because they've listened to this podcast. That's all I have to say for today. Come back and visit us again soon because we got a lot of good things to talk about. Yep. And absolutely. And just uh, on that note, one of the things we're going to talk about in our next episode, and I know this is near and dear to your heart as well, is we're going to talk about the real life of an entrepreneur. So kind of what we've gone through, what you can expect, the positive, the negative, the craziness, um, and give you kind of a window into what, how it's different from being an employee, or maybe you just, you know, maybe you're the mm-hmm. trust fund baby that, that I used to work with, right? Um, but how it is where you basically have from just being a job or not having been an entrepreneur. So maybe you're in college and you're getting out of school. Right. But what, what's it really like? <laughs> and we'll talk about stories about stuff we went through and challenges sure. and, you know, walls we wanted to beat down and then success, crazy successes we didn't see coming. Yes. Um, but we'll be talking about that next time. So yeah. with that being said, we appreciate you guys listening to the Halsey and Horn podcast. I am Matt Halsey. And I'm Al Horn. We'll see you next time. Signing off. Thank you for joining us today on the Hallisey and Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey, so take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait, do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.